Hello, and welcome to the 34th episode of the Friday Nightmares podcast. I am one half of your hosting team, Heather Powell, coming to you today from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as always, is Mr. Smoke Show Crawford, coming to you from Swartz Creek, Michigan, United States, Canada, Ontario, Hamilton, Waterdown, <laughs> Africa, <laughs> everywhere you can think of. I am just there. Antarctica. <laughs> Antarctica, just, yes. Um, so yeah, here we are, 34 episodes into this, and our topic today is games and horror. Would you like to play games, Scott? Oh, I love to play all the games, like Huffing Gast. <laughs> <laughs> and chicks love to play games too scott has a lot of experience with that um <laughs> but yes uh we're going to be talking about a couple of games related films which i feel like this is time for a shameless promotion of our controllers up cards down podcast uh that we run that is all about games that if you haven't listened to yet on the legion podcast network where we just posted episode three with willis wheeler uh known from wild man willis reviews and nfw commentary podcast and we covered off a lot of different games and we also talked about mortal Kombat. so it was it yeah, was a lot was, of fun it was a blast and yep i'm looking forward to it's a fun a fun show to do because it's just really quick and easy and it's one just of my like favorite hobbies I. yeah quick and easy <laughs> Yeah, giggity, that's, giggity. that's our model, actually. <laughs> that's, that's our new take on Facebook. That's what we should change. You know, the profile, <laughs> the Friday Nightmares podcast. Quick, no, and no, easy. our individual ones. Oh, oh, Tell our me individual about you. Ones. quick and easy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't stick around long, but it will be very quick. I'm riding on a high because my two foster dogs just got adopted today. Yeah. And DJ, one of the foster dogs, has been wearing a Raptors DJ jersey. Uh, because like one of those doggy ones, obviously not a real Raptors jersey. I don't want people thinking I had this dog walking around in this massive jersey, but one of those little doggy ones. And the couple that adopted him, um, the male from the couple is a Raptors fan. So he was very excited, though none of us really want to admit that we're a Raptors fan right now. <laughs> we're not really doing that well, but that's okay. You can't win a championship every year. So I'm riding off that high and I will be taking a break from foster dogging since my full-time job, part-time job, and my own personal schooling is going to be picking up. And uh, doggies are a lot of work. I have my own dog and uh, my own things. So I need to have a, a little bit of a balance. Yep, you need yourself a little break while you go through all the extra stuff you're going to be doing. Really, it's just so I can get drunk more. Like, if exactly. we're really honest. That's... I mean, because honestly, we haven't heard many drunken Heather stories no, lately. There's been shame. very few, like, drunken booyahs. There's been yeah. sober booyahs. 
but you can always tell when it's a sober booyah because it's like you know b three or four o's y oh. and then you know maybe three a's well and usually it's when it's like something excited happened from somebody your message that messages yes. you yes but normally like when it's drunken heather it's going hey heather how's your night going booyah and, it's, and then there's eyes <laughs> into it too and other letters <laughs> so you can barely decide that it's booyah um because i've had the puppies and with these babies uh they had to they, they had some care that was required medicine and stuff and i couldn't be completely fucked up doing that because i'm a responsible person um so now that that's done i can Throw responsibilities uh, out the window i can get rid of any responsibilities <laughs> i had because my dog's pretty selfish sufficient he's going to be six in november and he doesn't take a lot of work i can tell him to go back to bed and he does but he would wake up the little ones who'd be like yep right until <laughs> i fed them and then i take them outside anyway not that anyone cares about my dog adventures but i'm just really excited to go party again not gonna lie that's um that's what i'm looking forward to and i'm getting my covid vaccine so for all those people that think i'm anti i'm anti-vaxxer i can confirm i have scheduled my first vaccine for next wednesday i'm getting i'm getting the pfizer yes. unfortunately i could get the good old johnson and johnson or, Hopefully I'll can, get a Johnson and Johnson later. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? High five, high five. <laughs> high five. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not going to be cool as the Moderna boys, but it's all right. No, no. I'm definitely not as cool as you on the best of days, let alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one makes memes of me. Probably because it's like, what do you make fun of her for? Me being drunk? I'd be like, yeah, it's me, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I usually say some dumb shit that just equals meme categories. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't say dumb. I would say funny. Well, that too. Like you are definitely funny when you want to be. Or sometimes you say things that you don't realize are funny and they're absolutely hilarious. I, I can't go over the context, but there was one time where we were talking about someone and you said something like, yeah, that'd be sad if it was true. And I thought it was the funniest shit I had oh. ever heard you say. <laughs> laughed for like 20 minutes with just how you delivered that line because you can do some real like honest real talk you're silent but you're always thinking and you're always like putting shit together um which is a cool trait to have actually yep and i know when to and who to say it to yeah you're very good at like social presence and when to say stuff i just don't give a shit but you're very considerate <laughs> and thoughtful with your words and i'm all like blah, blah, and hope for the best right i just throw a whole bunch of words out and hope they land somehow in a free in a way that doesn't come across as like too offensive or i sound too stupid but you know what life is life and sometimes you, you sound like a moron and i'm okay with that because i can pull it off with my friendly personality you sound you are yourself. you are far off from a moron <laughs> that's true um what have you been up to the last two weeks scott what is the scotty too hottie been doing what are you referring to? In general, Scott, like oh, you can okay. share whatever you want to. <laughs> oh, right now you put me on the spot. I don't really <laughs> think like, I've I... done nothing but work, Heather, and yes. not watch movies. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much what it is. I've been working and just watching movies because we are doing so many shows oh, this weekend that I've had so much show prep I've had to do. It's insane. And like the most depressing fucking movies too. What? So Scott got his second vaccination. Oh, yes. Yes, actually. And what did you watch that day? Because you were feeling oh, a little man. under the weather. Well, I was feeling under the weather, weather, so I took the day off because it was after the day after the second shot. So I was just like, all right, take a, take my sick day and just stay home. And I was just feeling, you know, exhausted and fatigued. And, you know, what better to, like, while you're in that just kind of blah mood, 
what better films to watch than do a triple feature with The Girl Next Door, Megan is Missing, and Solo. You know, just feel good films. Just feel good, family friendly, easygoing, you know, no gross stuff at all films. No, and they were all first time watches too. And I knew what I was getting into, like for all three of them, to an extent. Now, (laughs) you also showed Escape Room, one of our movies we're going to get to, to somebody this week, a friend. Did this friend like it? I know we'll talk about it later, but. Oh, they absolutely loved it. See, that person has good taste. Right. You know, it's a good, I'm glad. And this is the same person that sat through killer prom with you, right? Yes. I'm glad they came back over. Um, Cause I felt real bad about that piece of shit. Still, like I was listening to our prom episode and I'm like, man, that was a shitty movie. <laughs> it was such a shitty movie, but uh, fuck was it. It was so much fun to talk about during the podcast though. It was. And you've been out to eat a couple of times. Like since our last podcast, you've been out to a bar, you've gone out for margaritas and taco pizza or something like that. Yep. You did yep, that on, one uh, Cinco de Mayo. Yep. You've gone out more than I have, which I never thought would be something I would say. You've stayed up later than I have on the weekends. Yes, which usually tends to happen. Well, sometimes I'm just too, um, I'm too fucked up to like actually know what time it is. And <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, you, you're usually saying goodnight to me and I'm still usually awake for another hour. You know, what's funny is I did an edible about a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. So pot's legal in Ontario, everybody, in case you're all like, oh my God, it's legal here. Has been for a while. And I did the perfect amount of that edible. Like it was, I think I told you about this. It was the perfect amount. Like it wasn't, cause if you have too much of an edible, you have a really bad fucking headache the next day, like really bad. And you feel like garbage. And this was just like the sweet spot and it's gummies, right? So it does tell you how much is in it. You know, how much THC, how much CBD, like how, you know, how much you should be mixing. And it was like the magical time. So I'm hoping to recapture that feeling tonight. Nice. I hope you do. And I'm going to a bonfire tonight. So I'm hoping that, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, see, you've been doing the, like, you may Fires. Not be, yeah, I say, well, you may not be going out and about, but you are still living a pretty damn good life sitting out on your back porch, watching hockey while by a fire at the same time. I know. Like, so and knowing you probably having a few drinks. Oh, just of course you know that. Come on, Scott. <laughs> so yeah, you've been having a. Of course. Like my weekends have been more like, well, I'm inside watching a movie. Like I, I would love to be outside. By You're a way sober, way too much. That's what I, the problem is here. Yes. Well, I don't like to just drink by myself. That's the problem. Like I don't have, usually I'm not hanging out with anybody on Friday nights, mm. which is like Saturday nights is a different story. That's Saturday not nights, true. You went out to the bar a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's a rare occasion though. That's and true. I, it's and rare I that drinks. you go out and have fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, Saturday nights is usually when my partying phase is because, you know, I'll do my nerdy shit playing magic, but I'm also drinking or smoking and just, you know, have, it's kind of like a poker night. It is like a poker night, only not as cool as a poker night. Oh, way cooler. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry Venom. <laughs> That's true. That's why you got all them bitches. That's why they're all like, right? what? You play magic? And you're like, fireball, fireball. Lightning and they're all like, mm-hmm. up your ass. I'm going to tap this blue mana. So I feel like we should have talked about games a little bit because usually in our intro, like all we do is talk, <laughs> talk about how I can't wait to get hammered and high. And- well, I mean, those, it kind of uh, <laughs> correlates with games though, especially the games that we'll be talking about. I guess so, right? And then uh, I I made you feel self-conscious about what you've been doing over the past two weeks. And then, um, yeah, like it's been a really interesting, you know, fucking 15 minutes of starting <laughs> <laughs> um oh. so anyway our, our topic is games 
and we have a games podcast so that's probably why I didn't feel the need to go into games because like we talk about it on the other podcast and I was kind of like maybe just listen to controllers up cards down the first episode to hear Scott and I's experience with games so I don't want to hear him talk about oh fuck I don't need to listen to this like 15 minutes of like and then I got into magic and then I almost went pro and then I did this and then I also did video games and I did you know I used to write for pop horror and I did video games like I don't want to listen to that so everybody go back such and a, listen to our first episode of and you can listen to me talk about like really interesting things like echo the dolphin and what else what else did i talk about of interest i think going to the arcade that was it for me oh like yeah your experience yeah but yeah like listen to you just talking shit for me (laughs) the worst part is you're like i'm so mad but i can't i'm gonna write it out later and then (laughs) with a i'm gonna i'm gonna think about it and then i'm gonna message you later and you're gonna be like what the fuck this about it's gonna be like like, two days later and i'm gonna be like the fuck you talking about (laughs) i don't remember even saying that (laughs) i'm like i don't remember i don't remember what happened or what i did but you had well i guess we'll get to it we should probably get into these 2021s because there's something i really want to talk about and we can't till we get to one of the movies oh i know what you're yeah right well, well i can say i went to the theater last night which was pretty awesome i think this is your first time back to the theater since when oh i'm trying to remember the last movie i went to see in theater wasn't too long ago was it uh wait there was a movie that came out around the, the time of the unholy Oh, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, you went and saw it in the theaters? Yeah, I went to see it at the oh, IMAX screen. Oh, right. You went with your, your cousin and his wife. Yep. Right, 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 right. Oh, I forgot. Wow. And then uh, coming up in two weeks is Quiet Place Part 2. So probably <gasps> going back to Are that as well. Are you going to see that? I think I will. Are you going to take a friend? Maybe. We'll see what uh, goes on. Because you, you know me. I'm also all about going solo adventures to theaters. Yeah, it's because you want to go on a date with yourself. Right? And I'll say, like, you know you know the popcorn trick that I do on myself? <laughs> oh, man. I miss movie theater popcorn. Eat that fucking shit to my face. Oh, I had a giant tub of it last night, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you know, American giant. So, you know, it's like. Well, you know what they say? Everything <laughs> in America is bigger, right? Huh? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? High five, high five. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> we are in rare form today. <laughs> but you know, I, I thought about what we were talking about earlier and I was really mad about something. And I'm going to be careful how I bring this up because it's just, Dave always goes into rants on Exploding Heads. So Exploding Heads podcast that's available on Patreon. And now I get why, because I'm also mad about things too. And I just want to say that if you make plans with people, follow through with them. I find nothing less classy than making fake excuses. And this goes for like friends, this goes for romantic partners. It's just, it makes the other person feel so unimportant. And I just think it's, it's horrible. And especially in friendships, like it's bad in romantic relationships, but people don't talk about the pain that comes from friendships from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this has been a tough year for people. Like COVID has not been like hashtag good times. And the, like, the COVID just keeps on going. Like, you know, like yeah, the hashtag it's good not times over, keeps going. Right? So I think that it's really important that you value people's time. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're someone that doesn't value people's time, please stop doing that and value people's time. And if you don't stop, and you know, Scotty, Heather's coming for you when the borders open. And (laughs) if you should have learned anything from this podcast, I watch a lot of horror movies. I can probably get away with it. So... (laughs) 
And she listens to a lot of those uh, true crime podcasts. Oh, man, uh, especially now podcasts. with these true crime fucking podcasts. I even have another one I'm going to talk about today. It's like a problem. Like, it's a straight-out <laughs> addiction that I have. So, and this one is even deeper on, like, medically how to get away with things. Oh, boy. So, don't fuck with Scotty. Because if you fuck with Scotty, you fuck with me. And let me assure you, Scott's a way nicer person than I am. <laughs> Let me just put that out there now. He's like Barney. No, he's like one of the Care Bears, and I'm like no heart for all those kids from the '80s. You know that cartoon. Uh, right? I do, I do. <laughs> but no, I was gonna say like I am Mr. Nice Guy, but at the same time, push my buttons too far. You've seen what you've seen like when I get angry. That's true. That's true. I mean, obviously, it wasn't ever towards you, but you've seen when I've gotten pissed. It's true. It's like Hulk Smash. He <laughs> yeah. turns green. They're actually gonna make another Marvel movie about him. Scott's gonna be the new. Is it Eric Banner? Uh, Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Oh my God! How did you get that wrong? Um, that's gonna be Scott's gonna star as a new Hulk person coming out soon. That's gonna be his jam. <laughs> I said smash. Okay, have you? So speaking of exploding heads, I'm gonna give a shout out to them because this is really funny. Have you listened to their most recent episode? No, I'm a few episodes behind since I. Came. Or okay, maybe it wasn't their most recent one. It was maybe 139 or 140. Um, maybe it was. It was it was one of the ones that came out. Maybe Dave can say something on our page. But Dave talks about using the washroom and his wife taking, like not leaving any toilet paper for him. And it was probably one of the funniest reactions I've ever seen Christian and Brandon have to a story that Dave's told. So this is something that they have a YouTube, they they do a video and they post it. And if you're not a Patreon of Exploding Heads, signing up for this story is probably worth like the three dollars a month it is the funniest shit i have seen in a very very long time um so scotty i know you're also a patreon you gotta watch this shit it it has shit too man it's just really funny i will definitely do that because yeah i think i just finished episode 139 which uh i i will have to say though with that story from uh you know the dave's wife not leaving toilet paper you know and you're probably not one but that seems to be a thing the women tend to just leave I the have never, cardboard i have never done that oh ever. it drives me nuts my ex-wife did it I go to work. I work in an office with all female coworkers, and yet I am always the one where I see, oh, the toilet paper roll is low. Let me get a new one for the women, so when they come in here, they don't have to worry about doing see, that. In my experience, it's always been guys. Yeah, I was saying it's always been women for me. Like every time I'm like around like a bunch of women, like the bathroom is always just of uh, almost empty roll of toilet paper. It's like why? I don't. I think. Seconds. I think yet again with people not completing plans. I think that's one of the most fucking stupid things someone can do. Like, how much of an asshole do you need to be to not add a new roll of toilet paper? Yeah, like I. Like, I just think that's beyond. Like, I think a two-year-old could handle that, and I don't understand why an adult can't. Right, like, uh, you know, I can understand if it's at your own home, it's a bit different. But like, when it's at a public place, like, in your like, even if it's workers, at your own home, it's fucking trashy. But if someone comes in to use your washroom, or what if you live with another person? Yeah. Or what if you need to like urgently use the washroom, and then you don't have any toilet paper? Right. It takes like a second to do. Yeah. Right. It takes little to no time at all, and like maybe, like maybe because I'm one of those rare guys that you know I worked as a janitor for 14 years, so like anytime toilet paper or paper towel was low, I would always refill it because that's part of my job. So maybe that's just ingrained in me to do. But at the same time, it's just like it drives me nuts when I see people don't do that. It's like just a couple seconds, people. It's because people don't care and they're self-absorbed. Yeah, they don't think about anyone else using the bathroom. Yeah. It drives me nuts. I absolutely hate self-absorbed, not caring or being considerate to other people. It absolutely is a huge bugaboo of mine. 
Yeah, and that's uh, I could go on a whole another rant about like we have a new podcast. Think that makes Scott and I mad? Because <laughs> <laughs> like I was just gonna say, like, Scott and I complaining. We're gonna invite Dave on. Dave has shit too that makes him mad. Right? So it's gonna be three of us complaining for three hours about shit. <laughs> new, another new podcast. New podcast. Us. Dave C, you're on. Um, <laughs> and we'll just bitch about life. It'll be great. But you know what? It'd probably be like a super well listened to podcast. People like, yeah, yeah, let those suck, yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, I don't agree with that person, but I agree with this one. Yeah. No, they agree with all of us. I mean, we do have, we do make valid points. Like, I don't understand. We're perfect. Right. We are angels. I know. We are angels brought to earth to watch 2021 movies. Ah, nice I segue. It. I got it the second time this year. I've actually said 2021. So proud. Proud of you. It's baby steps I take. Baby steps. And it's so the not first... even halfway through the year. Oh, yet. shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get through these movies considering somebody had to do all the heavy lifting i'm not I gonna know, give I, any I'm, names i'm sorry I, i'm sorry everybody i'm always doing heavy lifting you know just it's what yeah, I do. You, do, you don't even work out anymore you, you see don't these even, shoulders you don't these even shoulders are just like oh yeah soon i shall replace the smoke show oh, it'll be have, pow 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 <laughs> you have already replaced the smoke show long ago it's true bow down to my greatness scott and bloodthirsty which is a 2020 movie that came out in 2021. Uh, this is a Canadian film, which automatically mean I had to watch it. Uh, actually, the truth is I didn't know it was Canadian until they started filming it. And I think I saw like a government of Tan- Canada grant and I, or like one of those, like, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, it's a Canadian film. It has a 2.7 rating on Letterboxd. Uh, it's basically about a young woman who finds out she is a werewolf and the journey to finding out that she is a werewolf. So it is a... I would say a new take on the werewolf drama or our were, werewolf saga or whatever theme. Uh, it has no one that anyone will really know on it. There's a lot of Canadian actors and actresses in it. It is available on iTunes and Google Play. I know you have not seen it yet. I watched about uh, half of it. Like, what did uh, you think of the half that you saw? I thought it was pretty decent. Like I, I for some reason, I just never went back to it. Did but you did. watch it by yourselves? Uh, no, I was watching it with a friend. Oh, and I think that might be why we stopped it halfway through and like we we're going to watch uh-huh. it whenever she came back over again. That's why you stopped it halfway through? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, right. that is exactly why. <laughs> sure, that's why. Okay. <laughs> I should ask this friend why. Maybe we should, you know, bring her on the show. <laughs> so I'll be like, Maybe well, we Scott got weird and... <laughs> started telling me about the history of werewolves that i decided to leave (laughs) um are you aware that one of the werewolf movies american werewolf in london is actually a very good film and there's also hollow and silver bullet and they're really good werewolf films as well she's like oh man look at the time (laughs) you know the the ancient carpets you know the ancient scripts of lichens back in the day and you know oh yeah you would be like i actually want to be a werewolf she's like oh you know what Mm, man better get to I mean, bed want to be a werewolf i'm already a werewolf <laughs> you'd be like the nicest werewolf i'm like, like mid-chain you know be a funny werewolf brandon or like you know what you do all the time sleep <laughs> right oh you transformed what's he doing oh he's just moving again to a different position passing so he, he would just like keep napping the entire fucking time or no he um, would no he would be an angry werewolf because he would have because the rage inside of him because being a werewolf would force him to get up and then he'd be cranky because no. he's awake he'd and be then he cranky just... but he wouldn't eat anybody he would still no. just sleep no he'd be cranky and he'd walk outside look around and go <sighs> And go back inside and go back to bed. Oh, you're you're giving him a lot of credit that he would walk outside. I think that <laughs> he would just flip over and eat some ice cream and go back to bed and then complain that 2020 movie, 2021 movie sucked because he's a sourpuss. 
he doesn't listen to this podcast so i can get away with saying whatever i want about him um so yeah some people have mixed thoughts about this movie it ranges anywhere from two stars to four stars i think it's worth a 2.99 3.99 lent rental if you like werewolf films um there's no major transitions in it it's it's you know light but what they do they do well and at an 82 minute runtime, you're not going to be wasting your time with it. Nice. I'll have then, to try finishing that one. Yeah, yeah, you will. Just to add, just to add to my numbers. Well, I hope you finished whatever else you were doing. Um, oh so God. the next movie is Sweet River. <laughs> you were such a shithead. I'm such a dude. Well, what is stereotypically seen as a man behavior? Uh, Sweet River. So this is a 2020 film that, of course, was released in 2021. And it's basically about a mother searching for her son that went missing in a dark town that has secrets. I know this is a very shocking type of plot and we've never seen anything like this before. Um, It's fine. It's very much a slow burn. It's very well acted. You know, uh, horror for dummies. So Tim gave it a three star on Letterboxd. Uh, Mark Nato gave it a four. So I think, you know, if Mark Nato really dug this, what it's going to be like. I am... it's, I, I thought it was okay. It, I don't think it was a bad movie. It just wasn't my type of film. I would say you really got to enjoy slow burns. You really got to enjoy a lot of character development. Not a lot happens, at least not till the end. And even if you look away from the screen for a couple of seconds, you may lose track of what's going on in the story. The story is fairly complicated. Um, so yeah, it's available on Apple, Google, YouTube, and Microsoft Store. And I, oh, did I say... Google Play, both Canada and the United States. Nice. Yeah, I, I might watch this one at some point. Like You probably if, would dig it. It seems like a Scotty movie. Yeah, just just something just uh, like, because it doesn't sound like it's a bad film. just sounds like it's okay. And I'm fine with watching okay films. It's mediocre. Like, it's not bad. I would be like, oh, man, what a piece of shit. Can't believe I wasted my fucking time with it. No, I don't think that way at all. Uh, but I don't act that way in general. Right. Because I'm not an asshole. Like, it's not for so, me. So that's not, that's not me. That's not, that's not who I am at the core um but it's it's okay it's okay it's one that i may watch if i just i'm looking for something that i'm not yeah uh, i would say if you 3.99 2.99 rental if you like the slow burns okay yeah all right hey look at this a movie i watched such a poser you watched one movie oh look at me hey i watched more than one there's three on this list missy and this is the movie that is what was the one last year with her and kevin bacon oh god what was the name of that movie Oh, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's like, it's just, I feel like she's just coming out with these Netflix, like, or BOD releases now. That's, that's how she's rolling. Um, So anyway, I'll let you talk about this one. All right. So yeah, the movie we're talking about is Things Heard and Seen, uh, starring, what is her name? Uh, Amanda Seyfried, (laughs) James Norton, (laughs) uh, and Natalia Dyer. Uh, It's a Netflix original and it's pretty much about this couple that uh, moves into this house and they start experiencing like, I wouldn't say like extreme hauntings, but just kind of like a slight haunting for the most part. But it's mm-hmm. almost more relation based, relationship based film. Which and, is like, like Scott's cocaine. Yes. And I have He's to like, say, I, relationship based horror. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, because it's almost more drama than horror. Like it has some horror to it. Like especially like the last the last act kind of ramps it up a bit, but I thought this was a pretty good film. Like I'm not gonna lie, I thought this was uh, very well acted, very I well agree. filmed. Like I think some of the writing was really good too. Some of the yeah. secondary characters 
were really awesome in this. Um, I think the two main characters were fine, but I think some secondary characters were actually really affable. Yes. And you really got behind them and you didn't want something to happen to them. Yeah, like I just thought all around like this was a good story. Like I think pretty much if you're a fan of horror, even if you're just like kind of like the uh, mainstream horror films, this is something you should check out. And I think at 121 minute runtime, a Netflix movie, I, I think you will be at a loss if you do not watch this this year. I think that at the minimum, you'll be entertained. And yeah. I don't know if it will make anyone's top 10 or 20. And if it did, you know, I don't judge what people do anyway. I don't really care. But I think that it's worth your time to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've recommended it to a few uh, friends of mine and they, they came. Friends? Back. Yeah, friends. What kind of friends, Scott? Real friends? Magic buddy friends. You're like, um, when we're done with Fireball, you guys should really watch this movie on Netflix. I'm sorry. Look, Scott's getting mad. He's like, we're going to end this fucking podcast, Heather. (laughs) Or what does my cousin say? Scott, we know you're a big deal. You got dozens of listeners on your podcast. Dozens. (laughs) Dozens of listeners. (laughs) Hey. We have more than five. I'm right. happy about that. <laughs> I just love that Your he said that. Dozens. Low. <laughs> That's cute. Your cousin's funny. <laughs> He's like, I know you're a big deal, Scott. Keep keep going. <laughs> That's really funny. He's got a good sense of humor, huh? Oh, he does. That's good. That's why, that's why him and I get along so well. <laughs> that's good. That's a really good joke, actually. <laughs> but yeah. I definitely uh, really recommend things heard and seen. It's uh, just a very solid movie all around. That's awesome. I, um, I'm glad you dug it. Yeah. And you know, again, for Netflix, you know, now sometimes Netflix comes out with really entertaining shit and this is definitely one of them. Um, right. So it's not your typical ghost story. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. I do think it's a little more unique and it is a period piece. Like it's said in the eighties, but it's not like, Oh my God, it's the eddies. Look at my closest to eddies. Everything is the eddies. Like I, I don't find it nearly as annoying. Yeah, it doesn't like punch you in the face with it. 80s, 80s. <laughs> remember, 80s. remember this popular song? You're gonna like it because of nostalgia. <laughs> You're gonna like it because it's the 80s. <laughs> oh. And then the next one is Unearth. So this is a VOD release, and it's very much an environmental film. It is a 94-minute runtime. It was made in 2020, obviously released released in 2021. And it has to do with some farmer land uh, that is being dug on by oil companies that dig up something that they shouldn't of. It has a 2.9 rating on Letterboxd. It is a screener that we watch, so it is not available anywhere as of yet. I'm assuming we're going to be looking at usual culprits, Google Play, YouTube. Possibly this is something that could be picked up by Shudder. It it does have a slow burn to it, but sometimes Shudder tends to dig. It's interesting with the films that Shudder gets. Um, I've tried to figure out their method of selection, and I think they just look at their categories and they just try to fill things that they think are good enough for those categories. And I do think that this is potential. Um, the pace of it reminds me similarly to the, to the pace of, I think it was the ritual where the guys go camping. Nice. Not the story, the pacing. Which I'm I'm cool with. If you liked the pacing of that movie, you will probably like the pacing of this one. Extremely well acted. Um, Andrea Barbola. Uh, Barbo. Barbo is in this film. She does a great job. You know, she's uh, very good. Yeah. I was like, cause I seen the trailer and this one looked like, uh, something I would dig. I, 
Yeah, I think you'll like this one. I wanted to watch it last night, but I just did not get a chance to get around to it. I think this could easily win an award for me this year on something. Nice. Because I think that it was a really well-made film. I think the ending... Uh, leaves you wondering what's going to happen next and it's and it and it creates a very steady feeling of dread now it is environmental related film so it does have some environmental horror to it but it's a solid environmental horror um it takes itself seriously like it takes itself seriously and it takes what's happening seriously and the acting is good you buy into the characters you buy into these families that have these farms it's not cheesy at all it's actually a really well-made film Sweet. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching this one probably in, by this week because since I don't have any show prep to do this coming I know. week, I'm going to try to play catch up on some of these 2021s that I missed. You're going to try to meet where Brandon Orlick and I are. Yes, I'm only uh, five away from Brandon, six away from you. So I'm not yeah, far. I'm always going to be ahead of Brandon, though, because I'm better than Brandon. <laughs> Funnier than Brandon. Um, sleep less than Brandon. Yeah, you do that, definitely. Less hair than Brandon. True. Though right. his hair is, he doesn't have much hair right now. I know, he cut it. Kind of like a sheepdog. Right. Um, right. And then the next one you did watch. I did. Yay. Uh, so yeah, you may take this one then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you, you know, I got to give you when you can, right? That's right. Give it to me when I can. <laughs> uh, but the next movie is Initiation, which obviously came out in 2021. Um, and it's pretty much about a... Uh, fraternity that something happens at this fraternity and then there's like kind of a revenge tale that goes on revenge and i won't get much into the details about it but i would say this is a pretty well done film and um with the i i didn't expect the ending twist and i have to say like when that was revealed i'm going i can absolutely see that this Mm -hmm. could totally happen Everything that happens in this film like feels real because of what is going on. And, you know, the, there's parts of it that I was like, oh, this feels a little lifetime-y. Oh, this feels a little cheesy. But it didn't take me out of the movie. It's, it's an easy watch. It's sitting at a 96-minute runtime. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It no. gets to the action very quickly. The way that they portray sororities and... Um, problems that exist with sexual harassment or assault on campus is very real and honest yeah and for all those of you that seem to be sensitive that when you see something like that in a movie it makes you upset um not upset that you're seeing that it happens but upset that like knowing that it happens it does like sexual assault happens frequently on post-secondary campuses i work on a campus and it does and yeah it's covered up all the time (laughs) it's not that's not fake uh but this movie i think really does portray how things like this do happen and don't over sensationalize it like it's part of the story but it's not the i would say the major focus the major focus is obviously the other things that go on Mm -hmm. but i think that it did a really good job of capturing close enough to campus life as it can be I didn't see the ending coming either, who I thought was going to be who and and stuff I didn't see coming. So it's a nice little surprise. It is available on Google Play, Voodoo, Microsoft Store, and YouTube. What would you recommend for a price, Scott, for watching this one? I'd say this is worth a uh, $5 rental. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's solid. Yeah, it's a a solid film that I recommend pretty much anyone that's trying to keep up with 2021 films. Give this a watch. Like, I think 
like, I don't think it's going to be top 10 material, but no. I think it's still a good enough story that you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I just think that it's um, a good modern day slasher. Yeah. You know, for what it is, I think it's, it's fine. It's, you know, I would be like, oh my gosh, best movie in the entire planet, but it's, it's, it's entertaining. If you're looking to just be entertained, it's a great entertaining film. Yep. And I was saying like, pretty much since we've done this podcast, like things like these types of films never really hit with me before. But now they do because I, I think I kind of like see through your eyes a little bit more now, like just because we've yeah. worked together for so long that I'm like, yeah. OK, I have the, like the perspective and the like realness of like, yeah, this happens. It does. And I think when people get upset by that, I don't know why. Like, it's not saying that you're going to go out and do that. It's but it's the reality that it does occur and it gets covered up all the time. Yeah. And that's not OK. Like whether it happens to a male or female or transgender person or whoever, it's not okay. And I do appreciate when films face those realities. Yep. And I've, I've right. learned to respect them a lot more, like films that tackle these subjects way more now, like just from working with you. Absolutely. Right. But yet again, it's an easy watch film. You know, I don't think it's too quote unquote preachy for those of people that are, you know, concerned about that. But do I think it's top 10 material? No. So if you're really trying to limit your list, then you probably don't want to watch this one. Um, the next one is Fried Berry. You haven't seen this one yet, have you? No, I I kind of want to see this one though. Um, so this is on Shutter. It's a 99 minute runtime. It's basically about a real piece of shit drug abuser. Like this dude is is addicted to heroin, which is a pretty rough drug to be yeah. addicted to. And I think it shows like they've done a good job of hiring this actor and him acting like he's going through heroin withdrawals and you know, the cravings for it and what his home life is like. I, I think they did a really good job of that. So I'll give them credit. It's a beautifully filmed movie, but it's a ride. Um, it's like you're high watching this movie. And uh, I think some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. And I, I think either camp is fine. I sit in the middle. I definitely like what they were trying to do with it. I thought the acting was solid. The writing was solid. Uh, I think it may move up more on my list as I sit with it and time goes on. I may rewatch it before the end of the year, but it's an entertaining movie. It really is. I, I think that the, the concept is new and different. So I'll definitely give the directors and the writer credit for how they direct and wrote this movie and how the actors uh, delivered it. Sorry. Dropped my phone, everybody. That was <laughs> awkward. Um, but yeah, so Horror for Dummies gave it two and a half stars. So he wasn't a huge fan, Tim Davis, which is fair. You know, I yet again, like I wouldn't be like, oh man, best movie I've ever watched. But I wouldn't be like, ah, it was a piece of shit. I think it's just right. you got to like this kind of artistic, you know, interpretation of what would happen if an alien took over a body and of a drug addict and just kind of lived normal life, quote unquote, through Cape Cod. So, so if for a free watch on shutter i don't think in 99 minutes i don't think it's the end of the world yeah and you you pretty much sold me with like that type of like addiction and dealing with it and also like you feel high while watching it like that yeah. that's speaks to me like my kind of films like so i'm definitely gonna check this out awesome 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 yeah you have to let us know what you think of it after you watch it and then the next one is in the earth which is a 2021 film 107 minute runtime uh, it's basically about a deadly virus has taken over the world, COVID-19. <laughs> and there's some researchers that are basically doing some work in this forest to give a, a small synopsis of it. If you enjoy isolation horror, so if you are a big fan of things, movies like The Thing or Black Mountain Side, any or Harbinger Down, so anything that happens to have to do with isolation and madness ensuing, then you'll like this film a lot. 
if you do not like that, you're going to find this film really boring. So I suggest that if you watch this movie, you really do have to be into isolation horror to have a good time with it. Uh, It currently has a 3.0 rating on Letterboxd. Most of the people that we watched it have really enjoyed it because it is well acted, well filmed, well made, very good plot line, but you gotta like that slow burn isolation horror. Nice. Yeah, this is one that I've been looking forward to because it's directed by Ben Wheatley and he is a really cool director. Like he's done some really good films. Kill List uh, is one that I've been wanting to see because I've heard so many good things about it. So it's one that I'm going to add to my list to watch soon for a first time watch. But like I've seen a few of his other films and yeah, he's just really good. Like his films are very interesting. So I yeah, I'm very excited to see this one. So you can find Into the Earth on Vudu, Google Play, DirecTV, uh, Redbox, as well as Amazon. So definitely, I would say, you know, maybe a $2.99 rental, $3.99 rental. If you really like isolation horror, $5.99 is fine. And now Scotty has to share a very exciting adventure he had last night. Yes. So as I mentioned earlier in the uh, the show, I went to the theater last night by myself and I checked out Spiral from the Book of Saw. Now, before I get into the movie, I just want to give my experience. I went to the uh, cheaper theater nearby me, like, because it finally reopened. I didn't go to the one that you Cheap. and I. <laughs> well, I didn't go to the one that you and I went to, the Trillium Cinemas, uh, when we went to see uh, Gretel and Hansel, because uh, I wanted to support this one that's was struggling really bad. Like they didn't actually like while theaters because theaters have been allowed to stay open this entire time in Michigan since October, I think they just were not allowed to sell concessions. And since they were not allowed to sell concessions, which is how they make their profit, mm-hmm. Rave Cinemas, the one that's near Flint that I go to for cheap matinees and cheap evening ones, ended up like just staying shut down the entire time. And they finally reopened. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go there. I'm going to give them my money. I'd much rather go to Trillium, but I also want to support this little more locally known one. And yeah, unfortunately... I think COVID has done this theater in because it was 9.50 at night. I pull into the parking lot and there's maybe 10 cars in the parking lot on a Friday night. That sucks. Yeah. And I'm like, that's really sad. And I went in, bought my ticket, got my giant bag of popcorn, got myself a drink, went into the theater, literally the only one in the theater to watch Spiral, which I love being in a theater all by myself. It's freaking awesome. But when it's a Friday night, opening night for a horror film and theaters are, you know, opening back up again, like and able to sell concessions, I was mm-hmm. expecting to see a little more of a crowd. Yeah, I'm so that, that really bums me out. So I have a bad feeling that this place may not make it through the rest of the year. I'm hoping they do, but we shall see. Well, but- and it's in all fairness, Spiral isn't a well-known, it's well-known to horror fans, but I was speaking to another podcaster and I said, oh, are you excited to see Spiral? and he's like what's that oh really yeah so i think that you know unlike where a quiet place two might be a better predictor of or halloween kills i think is halloween kills this year yep that's the one right yeah um i think those might be a better predictor not to say that you know spiral isn't a good film i just don't know well you know what i mean also, I think what it is, is the title. Yeah. Like if it would have, if it was called Saw 8 Spiral or something like that. Yeah. Or Saw, what was it? Saw 9. Like I bet that would have drawn more of a crowd. Plus 
Saw is also known to be released in October for Halloween season. Every one of them have yeah. been. So I think that's another detriment to it, but I think they just wanted to get it out finally because, you know, they were supposed to release last year. Yeah. Um, plus, it would have been competing in the month against Halloween Kills, which yeah. would have been a good competition to see since Saw is very popular as so always Halloween. But that's besides the point. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of yeah, what I, I think. I think the title, I think the time of year, and I honestly think. And COVID and just everything. You know, I, I would have saw Pet Cemetery, the remake, when it was normal times. There was no one in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, for me, so there was like, a decent crowd when I seen that. I think it really depends where you live. And, yeah. you know, Friday night, maybe they were all at a bar, Scott, in hand. It's true. Right. I mean, I'll say things are changing around here. Right. But, um, so. But yeah, I'll give my thoughts on the film. I, I, well, for in general, the franchise, franchise, franchise is okay. I've never been a huge fan of the Saw films. I like the first two. And then after that, I, they just kind of blend together for me. And I couldn't tell you which one starts, which one ends, blah, blah, blah. I feel that. I feel and, that in my bones. Yeah. And, this, and I'm, the story for me is very convoluted, which I've talked about before on the show. Um, but this one is kind of like a side story, if you will. Like it doesn't connect really to the original franchise that much. And you mean you are not paying a price because you did not take your life for you took your life for granted and now you have to go into this ridiculous trap because you didn't tip enough servers at the restaurant. <laughs> yes. You exactly. mean like that? Yes. <laughs> Even though the guy's a complete psychopath that does everything. Yeah, right. But that's okay. Anyway, I like Saw, don't get me wrong. But you and I are both the same on Saw. Yeah. Okay. But um, <laughs> but I came into the I went into this one because I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna watch this because I want to support any movie that's coming to theater, any horror film that's coming to theaters right now, especially during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to go see this. And I have to say, this is really high up on my list for me. And uh, like it's probably in the top three of Saw films of the franchise. Nice. Like I nice. really dug this. Chris Rock played a very good, serious role. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's in it, does a great job. The traps aren't over the top elaborate like they've been before where it becomes unbelievable. Like it's yeah. back to almost more simplistic, real types of traps. And yeah, very good story. Like the story itself, I thought was very, very well done. Twist was predictable, but that wasn't what sells this movie. I feel it is the story on this one that really sells it. Awesome. Do you recommend a theater watch? I do. I highly, if you can go to the theater to see it, go give them your money because this is worth checking out in theater. And apparently it's got an IMAX screening. So if you want to go see it in IMAX, do that too, because that would be a pretty cool experience. Booyah. Booyah. Awesome. Thank you, Scotty. So that concludes our 2021 movies. Uh, we will be watching more. Hopefully, I will get out to see Spirals soon, or at least rent it on VOD. Uh, theaters are still not open here in Ontario. Sad face. Uh, but that's okay. They'll be open by the summer, and I will be able to see other films. So I can wait yes. for a good thing. And now we're going to go and talk about our older movies. So Scott and I are doing a very special episode of Friday Nightmares as a Patreon, um, a Patreon exclusive at first, and then we'll release it to our regular page with Jay uh, Murphy from Kill the Cast. And it's on uncomfortable films. And so Scott and I figured, well, if you're going to watch uncomfortable films, you might as well watch some real fucking uncomfortable films. And we both yeah. watched a Serbian film from 2010. So Scott, I'll let you go first. What did you think of a Serbian film? All right. So this one is obviously super well known. It's got notoriety. It's infamous mm -hmm. for a lot of the fucked up shit it shows in this film. 
Uh, I thought it was, I thought all around really well-made movie, well-acted story was okay. It is more though about the shock value. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this has been spoiled for me because back when we were originally talking about doing this as a specific episode of films that make us uncomfortable, this was going to be my pick because I had avoided it because of what I'd heard was in the film. Yeah. So now that I've got to see it, I have to say it's, yeah, it's fucked up, but I've seen way worse, mm-hmm. way worse. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, but, and also uh, Brandon Orlick also mentioned this, but he says, I think the detriment to it where it becomes like so shocking is the fact that it's so well-made, you know, it's a movie. You know, it's a movie. That's the best way to phrase it. And I think, I, I remember listening to when Watson had Horror Corridor, he covered this film. Yep. And so I did know it was going to happen. And I'm sure that also, but I didn't, I expected more from the scenes. And that's not a criticism of Watson's review of it. He did a fabulous job. But he obviously didn't like describe the, the infamous newborn scene. Yeah. Like he didn't go into great detail on that, obviously. No one would. But when you actually watch the movie, it's not really as bad as you thought it was going to be. Um, no, I thought it was going to show way more. Yeah, I thought it was actually going to show baby rape. It doesn't. It indicates that that's yeah. what's happening, um, which I'm glad they didn't show that because I yeah, think that's a pretty hard one. practical effect to pull off. Um, it was it was fine. I honestly thought the acting was good. It was I felt like it was really a movie that was how fucked up is the porn industry? we're going to show you how fucked up the porn industry could be. And that was the purpose of it. And I didn't even feel it was the like porn industry. Sure. But I feel it was like, how fucked up are people getting because they watch depraved shit on porn? Yeah, maybe that's it too. That's yeah. kind of what I took from it. Like, cause you know, that's what's selling, why these things are become these movies that this company is making is becoming so popular because people are looking for the more fucked up like shit because the regular shit doesn't do it. Yeah, movie. they want to up the ante each time. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's more accurate. I, I thought it was fine. Honestly, um, would I watch it again? Yeah, if I had to for a podcast, I I would. It didn't, it didn't really upset me. Like, no. <laughs> Like it was, um, it was fine. Like it was fine. And I'm not trying to say that the concepts in the movie weren't upsetting. No. Obviously anything that involves sexual assault with children is upsetting, but it was so clearly a movie and just so clearly like, it's like how I felt about Cannibal Holocaust. So even though animals were actually harmed in that, I was like, all right, I get it. Like shock value. And I've realized what makes me uncomfortable is not necessarily someone being like, are you shocked yet? Are you shocked yet? How about now? Are you shocked yet? Are you shocked yet? I find that just makes me be like, wow, you're so cool. Um, So yeah, Yeah, would you recommend people watch it? I think, you know, as long as you know that there's some scenes that are really sexually violent, very violent. um, And if that bothers you, you know, don't watch this movie. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? Like, I don't even know whether to recommend it or not. Like, I think it's okay, but I don't think it's a good horror film. I think it's just a shock pornography film. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, well, for one, for me, I built this up probably way too much in my head to be way more shocking than it actually was. That's probably why Mm -hmm. it didn't have nearly the effect on me that it could have. Plus, I watched this in tangent with a shit ton of other horror films that are making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, if I would recommend this, I would only recommend this to people that have already known about this movie and are curious about it, then like to watch, then watch it. I would not recommend this to your typical horror fan. No, um, I don't think it's that horror. It's, no, well, it's basically it's, just sexual violence for a fucking hour and a half. 
I mean, it's got some horror, like in the third act with like uh, what he's watching on his camera, like uh, some of the yeah. things he did before the final thing. Yeah, happens. I guess you're right. Like, I yeah, it is. I just think it's just, I just honestly think that it's a, to me personally, I can see why it's in the horror movie category. I just find this a, look how extreme pornography is. Yeah. Look how fucking dark it is. And that's fine. Like, you know, I could watch another movie and I could say the same thing and say, I really like it. I just didn't find it that scary. I just found it like just trying to up the ante of shocking you with each scene. Yep. And that's pretty much, that's why I call it like only horror fans because horror is where films try to shock you. Yeah. No other yeah, genre right. really does that. And like, yeah, I would just say if you have heard about this film and you've bailed off, I would say give it a watch. Just see what it's like. Um, if you don't know anything about it, don't go on watching this film. Do some research on it first to, yeah. know, what you're, to know what you're getting into. Like, that's that's my caveat, caveat for this. Like, just know what you're getting yourself into for this one. I agree 100%. Um, the second one that we both watched is Solo. Or manja, was manja. 120 Days of Sodom. Yep. Yeah, it's from the book, right? Um, yeah. 1975. Uh, this is an Italian film. I believe it's Italian. Yep. Yeah, Italian. Manja. Um, it's um, it's broken into four sections. So it's originally based off a novel, uh, 120 Days of Sodom from the Marquis de Sade. Um, he never finished the novel, by the way. It's a series of short stories that he kind of threw in together. And it was supposed to be a um, expansion of sexual horizons and sexual pleasures and deviances which it is <laughs> yeah yeah like everything about this film is about sex and sexual deviancy and to the extreme sexual deviancy like we're not talking 50 shades of gray fucking deviancy we're yeah. talking you depraved know stuff. really depraved stuff uh so spoiler warning spoiler warning spoiler warning we may say something that makes you go, I didn't know that from Solo. So be warned if you want to watch Solo and go in completely dry, one could say, <laughs> then you <laughs> might want to skip over this segment because I could see it's like, it's hard to talk about this movie and not give spoilers. Like, I feel like a Serbian film most people know about, but I feel like Solo is like, it's really a step up from a Serbian film when it comes to darker films. Yeah. It's broken into four segments and each segment focuses on a different kind of torture. Uh, the first one is more of psychology, a psychological torture. Uh, you meet the victims who are children, um, yep. teenagers, and you see how they groom them, got them, etc., and how they prep them for what's going to happen to them. And then there's a sexual deviant. The second part is more of a sexual deviant of sexual fetishes that are violent in nature or um, abusive to children. Mm-hmm. And then it breaks into uh, bodily functions and consuming of those uh, of of human waste. Mm-hmm. A lot of consuming of human waste. Manja, manja. There's a lot of pee <laughs> and poo poo horror, like a lot of pee pee and oh, poo horror. Yeah. And to put it simply, if it hadn't been for Brandon and Scott being like Heather, I don't think we're gonna you're gonna get through this movie, which they were a hundred percent right. Uh, that section, which is 25 minutes of this, was very difficult for me to get through. And I had to think about what was actually they were eating as actors, not what was being presented. Yeah. Because it makes me, even when I think about it, it makes me kind of gag a little bit. It makes my tummy mm. turn. Yep. That, this film, like, uh, I, have an, I have an iron stomach. I can watch some fucked up nasty shit. Yeah. But this one turned my stomach. And 
I like it didn't make me uncomfortable. It was just more like it was this gross. is this is just vile, and it's just uh, what was the other term that I used? But yeah, it's just I can't remember the other term. But yeah, it's just vile, very very vile, and shock for shock's sake. And you know, once you know the story of the Marquis de Sade, who is a piece of fucking shit. Yeah, not a good person. <laughs> no, no, it makes sense why the story is written the way it is from him, but it is still just hard to watch. And the final segment is basically sexual torture to death. Um, And it's, you know, if people were consenting, you know, you weren't using children and adults were consenting to do this to each other. That's between adults. Yeah. But I think the part that adds that razzle dazzle of trash and uncomfortableness is the children that are exposed to it. So uh, Personally, I would never recommend watching this movie. Nope. I think if you're interested in, you know, the Marquis de Saw, 100 Days of Sodom, how it was, if you're familiar with the stories, you know what you're walking into, I think it's fine. Like, I think that you know what you're going to see and you know it's a movie and that it's not real, but this is what someone's actual fantasies were. Yeah. And the fact that they used children or people that were not consenting to that is a little disturbing. Yeah. And you have to be able to sit through watching people eat poo-poo for a very long period of time. Yeah. And it's it's gross. It's absolutely fucking gross. And I I knew about this film from years and years and years ago because I have some friends that actually have bought this on the Criterion Collection, which still blows my mind that Criterion picked this up because they are known for their, like, you know, preserving historical movies and like things that have like an artistic significance well and you could argue there is with this but i don't feel there is but yeah i can see that like someone would argue it yeah right now there is some interesting storytelling that happens in this like quite literally have storytellers um and it's beautifully filmed and it's well acted and the special effects are great because they had to do a lot of practical violent effects i'll give them that yeah maybe that's why they picked it up i mean it could be i mean they're they they probably have their reasons and you know, I can't fault them for that. And plus, yeah. I think all films, as long as they're not like snuff films, should be preserved. Yes, yes. One way or another and brought into the new format. And real One. snuff films, not like a Serbian film, which you know isn't a real right. film. Yeah. Only those can go by the wayside and die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, this was a, uh, let's just say, rough week and a half, two weeks of watching a ton of very fucked up films for our top five that we'll be doing very soon. Yeah. And I personally, you know, yet again, unless you have a historical interest in the Marquis de Sade in 100 days of Sod- 120 days of Sodom, and you want to see the brought to life version and, you know, from 1975 and, you know, you can appreciate it for how it's filmed and acted and all that kind of stuff, then, then go for it. If what we're describing sounds gross to you, don't put yourself through it. And it's okay if you don't want to. You know, like Scott and I watched it. It was fine. You know, I'm, I, but there's still scenes that if we talk about it, it makes me gag. Yeah. It was just, and, and very few things do that to me. Like I have a pretty strong stomach. I can handle like, it made me a realized human centipede wouldn't bother me at all because I watched people eating shit for 25 minutes straight. So like, it wasn't, you know, I just, I don't know. I get why it was made. I get the shock value of it. It just wasn't my cup of tea or cup of pee. But but at the same time, like, and also, unless you're just a depraved, fucked up person like me, and you're like, you know what? I feel like shit today. You know what I should do? Watch a movie that'll make me feel like shit. Then and eating shit and eating shit. Yeah, because 
that's pretty much what I did. Three movies. And this was the final film I watched that evening before I went to bed. What a, what that, a nightcap, huh? Oh, that was a capper of an ending right there. Right. So oh anyway, well, more to come in our top five uncomfortable films. But this is just a sample of some of the films we sat through <laughs> that we watched for our top five. So also thank you to our friends who uploaded some of these films for us. Um, we're able yes. to have copies of them. We have a friend who has a Plex and he owned a copy of Solo and we're lucky that he let us watch it. So thank you. So lucky. Yeah, so lucky. So what we've been listening to, I've continued down my trash of podcast listening, but this one's a little more legit. So this one is called Medical Murders Podcast Series and is hosted by Allison Murr and, Dave, and Dr. David Kipper. And it talks about people in the medical field who have committed murders. Now, here's a really interesting thing. Did you know that chloroform, you know, when you see like where you put chloroform in like a hanky or something like that, and you put it over people's faces and they collapse and they pass out? Yeah. That, that actually doesn't happen. You can't actually make someone pass out by doing that. You would have to hold it over their face for like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. For them to actually pass out. It's not like you breathe it for 50 seconds. Now, if you ingest it or it's injected into you, it can have more of a serious effect, but just smelling it like that, you don't actually pass out in that period of time. Hmm. So it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So don't use it, Scott, on yourself. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, for that self-gratification evening, I just got to push it up. I'm going to be in a Serbian film, do it, making my own Serbian film. You're going to make Serbian film too. It's just going to be you chloroforming yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so like, that's an example of what I've learned. And it just talks about, you know, different doctors and nurses in history that have engaged in crimes. And it's really actually really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's 35 to, it's usually to do part, like part one, part two. So each episode's about 40 to 46 minutes long. And you can find it on the Spotify network. And if you're interested in learning more about, even medical stuff and stuff that we've been told will happen or, or how, you know, it works when you strangle someone or sex or anything like that. You actually learn like what the actual true impact is. So not telling people to go strangle anyone, but it's just interesting to hear from, we see all these sensationalized kills and stuff like that, what it actually happened. So that's the podcast I brought to the table. Nice. Uh, that's a, that's a unique one. I like that. Yeah. All right, so the one that I'm bringing to my table, to the to my table, not your table, just mine. <laughs> just Scott's table, because he's the man. I am. So that's man. why. Manja, manja. Manja, manja. <laughs> uh, but anyways, the, the show I'm going to be talking about is an older show that just kind of, uh, they basically stopped producing for a while, and they are now back. And uh, like I used to listen to them all the time when I worked third shift, and that is Kiss the Goat on the Legion Podcast Network. Uh, it's hosted by Cootie and X, and they usually uh, what they cover is uh, different satanic horror films from the seventies and up. Um, I think there's a new episode about to drop, but I, the one I was listening to was their uh, the Antichrist episode from 1970, and. Uh, Yep, they have a couple different segments, which is the devil in the details, which is just like satanic things that have been brought up in the news. Mm. So like uh, Little Nas X with his uh, satanic uh, rap video that pissed off all the Christians. They talked about that. And then his Nikes with the drop of blood in the leather. And they brought up that and had a little conversation about that. They do their movie review and then they do a uh, number of the geeks, which I, I've only listened to. I can't remember fully, but they I think they would always call a 
fellow podcaster and uh, have them watch the movie they're talking about and then give their thoughts on it. Mm. And then they uh, have the Ask the Goat, which is basically uh, fans of the show can ask, ask them any questions and have a good discussion. But they are, they, it's a, they're male, female uh, podcast. So it's another oh, one like us. So, yep. There can only be one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and uh, they kind of, uh, their report kind of reminds me of us and how, like, while we get along. Unacceptable. Like... <laughs> you know, it's bad enough that Matt and Kate thought that they could start one. Right. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Dan and Lacey and you and me uh, had the monopoly. I know, right? This is. Bullshit. Absolutely. No, it sounds <laughs> I'm happy to hear more um mixed gendered podcasts. That's wonderful. Yep, and they've been around for a very long time because I think this is the episode I was listening to is episode 52 now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And yep, That's they cool. are back, which makes me really happy because I think they also did a crossover with uh Cinema Psyops back in the day where all of them were on together and reviewed The Exorcist, which was really awesome. Nice. But uh yeah, I definitely recommend checking them out. They can be found on the Legion Podcast Network, Spotify, any podcaster app you can think of. Uh, pretty much just available everywhere. I would say recommend go check them out. So are you saying to subscribe to the Legion Podcast Network? Yes, because Legion, we are many. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a brief break and we're going to hear from one of our many Legion friends. And after these messages, we'll be right back. I'm Cootie. My name is X. And I'm Chef Al, and we're your hosts on the Kiss the Goat podcast. On our show, we're going to break down some of your favorite devil movies from the past 50 years. We also drink and talk about religion. Which is a terrible idea. That is a great idea. And I'm going to give you some great recipe ideas to go along with the movies that we've been watching. We also answer questions from our listeners on every single episode. And I also frankly discuss my sex life at really inappropriate times. She does! I do! It's a thing! I tell terrible jokes saying when I'm drunk. And I haven't been paid yet. They said they would pay me, and they, uh... Kiss the Goats! Exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts. Uh, seriously? Can I get some money? Just do the job, Al. Welcome back. Uh, as we talked about before, our main topic is games and horror and not mind games, actual games. So I found a history of games article, which is kind of cool. Uh, from Kotaku too, which is awesome. Oh, do you, have you been to the site before? Yep. They are a very well-known video game website. Oh, cool. So if you, if you go to this article, you'll see a chart uh, that kind of outlines the history of games but i'm going to give a brief overview of when we started doing this social gaming kind of thing so the most ancient games have been found in archaeological excavations senate was a game placed in ancient egypt in roughly 3000 bc the earliest set of dice, which represented um, likely streaming from the early concept of fate and divine figure, which emerged from the soothsayers who forecast the future from the casting of bones, was found in a backgammon set. At the same time as these early board games are being created, people were playing sports. It seems likely that sports have an 
an origin deep within prehistory, but one of the earliest recorded sports was polo, much like backgammon, has its origins in ancient Persia. Hmm. Polo was originally designed as a way to develop military skills. And somewhat later, early early ball games like espressos and harp pass tum were played, which later gave rise to the medieval sports such as shove-tied football, a forerunner to the most contemporary football sports. So we had one game that developed into another game and so on and so on. Chess may originally thought of, may have been originally thought of as an abstract military conflict used to teach military strategies to generals. Over the years, it grew in popularity and during the Enlightenment stage was thought of a way to train the mind. Benjamin Franklin wrote a famous essay called The Morals of Chess, which he believed taught caution and foresight, similarly to other games that had begun to emerge that were designed to teach moral values, including Leela, a game from 16th century India, which was the model for the modern game Shoots and Ladders. Also during the Middle Ages, one finds a profusion of card games, starting with tarot cards, originally intended for use in games, although they later became associated with fortune telling. Games of chance with luck seem to be associated with the development of the occult. 1974 was perhaps the most important year in modern game history. This is when Dungeons and Dragons came to market. Oh, nice. It integrates the ideas of abstracting technical combat with, or sorry, tactile combat along with storytelling and a unique social aspect in which individual players use their imagination and creativity to contribute to ongoing gaming. From D&D, you can trace a history through mainframe computer games to MUDs, multi-user dungeons, to more PGs, so M-M-O-R-P-G. Yep. How would I say that? Massive multiplayer online role-playing games. So such as World of Warcraft. Meanwhile, many people were looking to engage in asynchronous gaming that wouldn't require groups to gather at set points, giving rise to play-by-mail games. The earliest implementation of online PBM games, aside from their manufacturers as play-by-email games, were BBS door games. Trade Wars is probably one of the most famous, and this author had talked about Space Empire a long time ago as well. A lot of these play patterns are similar to what you find in web, in current web-based and social network games. And over this entire period of time, board games were also getting more complex and developed to certain things like the Settlers of Catan board games. Nice. Games that originated emerging in the hobby gaming market, such as Magic the Gathering. Nice laid the groundwork for virtual economies by showing the elements of games could be collected, traded, and deprive value from the intersection of their sacredity and utility. Most early gaming business, such as, such as Magic, built business models around subscription rather than virtual goods, which caused secondary markets to emerge for trading in items. Today, many games in the free-to-play have turned have turned this on their heads by making virtual goods the way the game publisher monetizes or makes money. This has become a good way to attract players and monetize attention, and this has become the business model of current social network games, which I think is really cool. And then they talk about Foursquares and Music Pets as examples of that. Hmm. The current social network game market is confluenced of several big trends. 
social gameplay, along with asynchronous play patterns and virtual good business models that have been shaped by market forces. We're only at the beginning of seeing how far we can take the genre. It's my belief that the next wave of games will draw upon many elements we've seen work in the past. Great storytelling, challenging decision-making, and a sense of tribal belongingness that surrounds popular games. And I think that's 100% true when we look at games like D&D and Magic, about yeah. the creating the kind of like a, a partnership or a community oh, of people absolutely. that play. Like we just, you know, on the break, we were talking about how you're going to play Magic tonight. And this is something that you do weekly. Yeah, I'll say yeah, it's kind of like uh, like I was saying earlier, it's kind of like our poker night, like yeah, just something like. But we, while the game is absolutely fun, it's all about the socialness, like having fun, yeah. like. And when I used to play, try to play to go pro, like um, I would go to these big hobby shops and be playing with all these different strangers, and you'd make friends just because you're as as you're playing, you're talking. Obviously, some were super competitive and took winning or losing way too seriously and mm -hmm. were dicks, but mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. would also meet the people that are just happy to be there, meeting new people, playing the game with someone else that loves the game as well. Now, the interesting things about the games we're going to be talking about today are they're supposed to be one-off games. Though they're not the social development games that Magic would be, but I would argue that they became social development games and created a community within each of these horror movies. Oh, absolutely. And and honestly, every one of these games that we're going to talk about have a social aspect to them because a lot of them derive from drinking games or partying mm -hmm. besides, one, besides one of them. But that one is team-based where you have to work together as a team. Right. So why don't we break into our movies? So we've chosen four movies. Luckily, these were all good movies this time. Right. That we get to talk about. <laughs> so I'll let Scott lead us off with our first one. All right. So the very first film we'll be talking about today is Would You Rather, which was released February 8th, 2012. Uh, the synopsis is Iris and seven other desperate people become trapped in Shepherd's Mansion. Shepard forces them to play a sadistic game for a large sum of money, but the dilemmas become increasingly deadly. The stars Jeffrey Combs and Brittany Stowe. Uh, yeah, this is one of those, like I was saying, kind of like the drinking games, like, oh yeah, would you rather save Heather from a fire or save five screaming children from a car wreck, blah, 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 like those types of situations. Save the kids. Yep. I'm going to come back. It's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's kind of what this plays on. And I honestly think like, because, you know, when we talk about these topics, we focus on the theme and this one really focuses on the game. Very like, much so. Like on the guy and they, the choices that uh, Jeffrey Combs character Shepard ends up giving these people start off kind of like they're mean but like uh one of them was like talking to this guy that's an alcoholic he's like mm -hmm. uh, to start the game off before we even do would you rather i will give you ten thousand dollars if you drink like half this bottle of fifth even and he's he a uh, yeah years. right and so right. He's, and you, he's testing people's morals yeah yeah he's testing how far right. they were willing to go for money yeah and then, of course, the games get mean once he goes to Would You Rather. He'd be like, hey, would you rather get electrocuted yourself or electrocute the person next to you? And, and then it just gets meaner and meaner and meaner. And yeah, like this one is one of those where it's like, uh, it really pushes how far you will take your morals. It really does. And the setup for the reason why everybody there is good. Everyone is in a financial situation that they 
need the money. So our main character, her brother needs health care, which yeah. this could never happen in Canada. No, this is it totally, would have been paid for. Yeah, this was totally like an American dilemma right here. Um, I just had to throw that in there. But I thought of that when I was watching. It. I'm like, right. yeah, Heather, I mean, well, she'd like, never be there. Right. Yeah. Probably going, this is so foreign to me. And <laughs> that's it. Um, but I do appreciate that setup of it, which is, you know, and, and we see the one character coming for that reason. She's picked for that reason. So obviously Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs character or Shepard picks people who are weak, who yeah, weak and desperate, weak and desperate are in a situation where they are in the hat, in the, in the have nots and that they need whatever he has. So his two moral dilemmas of you know offering britney steak for ten thousand dollars and she's been a vegetarian yeah she eats it which he was like oh and he's a real dick right he's like i can see your morals don't mean much to you i wouldn't be like dude it's the fucking piece of steak like let's right. like calm our <laughs> shit right um the recovering alcoholic um you know he declines at the first ten thousand dollars and then he has to up it to fifty thousand dollars to drink it yeah scotch right so you know the the ante continues and he does give them a chance to leave he said oh it's a simple game of would you rather now honestly scott if you had sat there and watched these two you know someone's a vegan or vegetarian someone else is an alcoholic and this guy's making real condescending comments to everyone after they do the dare or choose to to do the, I shouldn't say do the dare, do whatever it is he's asked them to. Would you stay? No, because I would look at that and go, well, especially like the whole steak one would be like, okay, that that's just some meat eater being a dick to a vegan. Okay. But yeah. Like the one where it's the guy that is an al- a recovering alcoholic that's like, he's forcing him to try drinking it again. I'd be like, oh, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. Like I would be, but what, what we've done though with the setup is that we know that these people have no choice, right? That they are in a situation where they're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the first game, which involved the electroshock machine? Um, I like this. I liked this round of the game because it kind of showed you who was in it for themselves and who was willing to, you know, take it for the team. Like you could see who was basically see where people's morals lied. Yeah. Like, cause you obviously you had like, I forget that like, uh, the character's name, but you had uh, the one guy and then he was like, Oh, and you could electrocute the girl. And he's like, all right, I'll electrocute myself. He's not yeah. going to do that to the girl. And then it goes to the yeah. girl's choice. And she's just like, fuck that. And electrocutes him. Yeah. Like she does. She's like, nope. I, she's like, I'm in it for myself. And like, you could tell right away where she stands. Yeah. She definitely has a darkness to her uh, that whatever reason she's there for, she's obviously very desperate. Her name's Amy. Amy. Yes. Yeah. And like, and then it keeps going around the table. And yeah, you can see there's even the ones that are just like, you know, trying to like reason with each other and they're trying to talk about it like okay you've already been shocked once you know well, let's not try to do that again or blah 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 like mm-hmm. i like that first round of games because it's like it's i'm watching i'm going all right that's mean but it's not horrific yet that's no. when it starts, but like the next couple of games is where it starts getting pretty nasty oh it gets real dark uh shout out to rob wells from the trailer park boys yep Randy or Ricky? Randy, Ricky. Uh, Ricky. Um, I thought that was really cool that he was in there. I think you're right. I, I do enjoy the choices that they're given of who shocks and who doesn't, right? I think it was also with an IFC film, you know, they didn't have huge budget. I thought that it was a smart way to kind of simulate being electrocuted. Like it's easy special effects to do. Yeah. And it involves the actors to just, you know, simulate what they think electrocution would look like. 
uh, maybe give them some capsules in their mouth so they could foam at the mouth or whatever, you know, you're able to kind of recreate it. And then, and you know, we have, it goes to a second round and we have the stabbing. And what did you think of that? Uh, yeah, this is where I was like, man, this is, this is the getting to the dangerous point, obviously. And like, yep, yeah, once again, like I liked a lot of the characters reasonings with each other, the, like where it came to the, once again, you could see where everybody's morals stood, especially when it went to, uh, Ricky and the el- the older woman that was paralyzed from the waist down because he's just oh, looking man, like, yeah. like I understood his reasoning and it just sucks what happens but like you know he's just like you know you won't be able to feel anything so this like but he as long as I can do this artery, yeah, yeah, and he, artery, yeah yeah and he ends up killing her and like you, you can tell that he just feels absolutely horrible that he had done that yeah like, like and that's what I was like that's another thing to that character to that actor because like yeah like he's definitely not ricky in this situation (laughs) no and i think peter you know shows that he actually um cares about the other people that are there same with i believe it's travis um yeah because he's the one that gets really yeah travis gets badly injured um yeah it's it's you know and and the lashing and the whipping oh my god like it's really really fucking hard to watch to be honest with you this is where it gets really dark and the game you kind of feel like people are stuck in because we know that conaway who was the recovering alcoholic was shot when he tried to leave yeah yeah once the once they basically said we're staying they're fucked so i think what the movie did a really good job of is increasing the would you rather so you know when you start off with a game you usually start off quote unquote the easy round yeah so maybe you ask questions like oh would you rather you know, have a Boston Terrier dog or a golden retriever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something like that. Really yeah. Matter. And then it comes down to, okay, would you rather cut off your hand or cut off your friend's hand? Yeah. Right. Like it gets like real fucking nitty gritty on what you're actually going to do. So I think that they did a really good job of kind of illustrating that. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of this movie. I think it's okay. Um, I think it's entertaining, but I found it, I don't know. I found it all right, right? Like I I think their escape attempt is unnecessary. I feel like it kind of dragged out the movie a little bit for me. Um, and it kind of moves it away from the bank, from the game. Personally, personally. It, like, it does, though it gave me pleasure to see uh, that be a reasoning to get Jeffrey Combs' son killed. Truth, <laughs> truth. Jeffrey Combs is really great in this too. He does oh, a really he, good job of delivering. He is such a sadistic bastard in this, like that plays that like tidy tidy rich person that's just there for his own amusement. Well, and very entitled, right? And very much feeling like he's allowed to do whatever. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the barrel situation? And then like the choosing of the cards and then it, oh. of course how, you know... <laughs> how the amy has to stay in there longer yeah that 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 one is where it gets just really fucking hard to watch like when it gets to this like flip the card over or try to uh hold your breath for two minutes in this barrel that's where it gets really tough like uh especially for poor amy because yeah it's like okay you got the option of flipping the card over or choosing to drown, uh hold your breath for two minutes i'll yeah. take the card oh it's four minutes in the barrel you're fucked right and like yeah like they like these situations like the i forget the guy's name but he has to like freaking cut out his uh slice his eye oh that scene was so incredibly difficult to watch the the being submerged in a barrel for two hours for two minutes and then the alternative of like required to light a fire clack cracker 
uh, in your hand and then yeah. slitting your eye open. Like both of those I think are worse than going in a barrel. Like both of them are shitty. Yeah. Well then um, what was the main character's uh iris? Hers was uh like she found out after she decided extract, to extract the- have all of her teeth extracted. Yeah. And she Fuck chose that. the barrel. Yeah. And she a- just makes it, doesn't she? Yep. Yeah. She just like hold like she's almost about to drown when like she gets the two minutes is up. Right. The two, two minutes, minutes is, is a long fucking time. It is a long time. And then Amy chooses four minutes, which is fucking shitty. And then she dies. So she was kind of a shitty person. Yeah. I found where this movie lost me is when Iris and Lucas are the only two people left. And he starts to talk about his life and his sisters and she just shoots him. Yeah. Well, I know the only reason I think she did it is just so she didn't have to hear that story. Because if she heard that story, she wouldn't go through with it. Right, right, right. So like, so I think she was just trying to be like, stop, just please. Then like, because obviously, like, I I think I would have been like, you know what, let's get the fuck out of here. Because I think that was the option, wasn't it? You two can leave with nothing or one of you can leave with 10,000. Um, no, or I think like one of them million? had to leave. It's given a choice to kill Lucas and win the game or spare him. Oh, yeah, which would result in them both walking away empty handed. Yep, which is what I would have done. Yeah, there's no way I would have been able to kill. I don't, game. but would he have actually let them leave? That's a good question because I, they wouldn't have had taken the money. Because if you take the money, it's a bribe. You committed murder. I have true. that over you. You go to the police. I'm going to say you committed murder. Yeah, that is a very good point. Like, he probably would have killed them. So I find that if we look at the game, Would You Rather, I think this is a really good concept for a movie. I think the three rounds, you know, with the final round being round four between Iris and Lucas, really do question moral dilemmas. Uh, They question how much you can make a decision in regards to pain in a quick period of time and how they each escalate. Like how you start off with the water being warm, getting hotter, getting hotter, and then getting to the point that it's boiling. boiling. So I think this movie does a really good job of that with the exception of the escape scene, which I guess they put in there because, you know, then people would be complaining there was no escape scene. Right. Um, I think they they followed the game well. I think that the rules are laid out well. I think the movie is well shaped along the game. I think it's a really good presentation of this parlor game. Yeah, like it's obviously like to the extreme, but like that's what you want in a horror film. And yeah. like, yeah, but yeah, like that's focused, like its main focus is on the game. Like that's pretty much what the whole premise of this ge- this movie was set up to be. And they stuck with it. And yeah, it's like you said, it's one of those games that's perfect for a horror film. It is. And I think that all the characters did a really good job in it. Like, I think that everyone was quite believable. Yeah. Um, as I said, it's not my preference, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't love it. But I, I think it's, I think Jeffrey Combs is great. He plays a real piece of shit. Oh, he does. Yeah. Like he plays like sadistic, gleeful, rich man, just so well. So if you were in this game, okay. And I said to you, you had to shock the person beside you. So let's say it was like our podcasting friends and you had to shock one of the podcasters that we would consider a friend beside you or yourself. I would shock myself. Yeah, I probably would do the same. I would not, I, I, I could never cause harm to anybody else. The only reason I would shock someone else is if I had taken a lot of shocks and they were like, Heather, just shock me because yeah. you won't survive the next one. Right. Like if that was the, that would be like the only situation that would happen. Now in the water situation, would you choose hold your breath for two minutes or would you flip a card over? Now you don't know what's on the other side of the card. You just know that things have been getting progressively worse. We went from asking someone to eat meat um, 
to slice out your eye (laughs) yeah um yeah i would be taking the barrel because like as we've seen in the movie anyways every option on those cards is fucked up it's worse yeah like i'd probably die because i probably don't think i'd be able to hold my breath for two minutes but i'd rather do that than put myself through whatever the other torment would be yeah yeah that's fair i think i would agree with you i think i do the exact same and you already said that you wouldn't shoot the person nope i'd be like let's get the fuck out of here i would shoot them if they were a piece of shit and they had hurt and killed other people i might take the money that is fair yeah all right but um, yeah like in that situation with those characters no i wouldn't have done it yeah no good point good point all right should we move to our next one all right so yeah the next one is truth or dare which was released october 8th hey my birthday uh Ah. 2017 uh this one i'm not sure if it, i don't think it was a netflix original but it can be found on netflix i don't There's, think it was it didn't have a theatrical release yeah so it might have been a vod one because it didn't have the, the whole the, oh the netflix distributor logo. was sci-fi oh interesting yeah all right um but yeah because obviously there are multiple truth or dare movies especially like coming up but uh, eight friends decide to spend time in a haunted house and play the game of truth or dare their decision leads to a night of horrors and regrets um, yeah, this one is where they take a game and add a supernatural element to it. Mm-hmm. And this is a uh, very messed up truth or dare. Mm-hmm. And um, one that likes to change the rules a bit of truth or dare, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what is the rules uh, after two truths? You can. Oh, only you're, have you're one... messing up the two movies. That's Bloomhouse. Oh, shit. Yeah, I had a feeling this might happen. <laughs> um, this movie was based upon a group of college kids, as you said before. They go to the this house, and this guy's a big YouTuber. So he's going to film them being in this haunted house. And he says, okay, I'm going to write a whole bunch of dares and truths. So you pick the card. It's either a truth or it's a dare. And the truths start off being really fluffy and fun at first. And then the cards start changing. So for example, one of the cards is asking a girl if she's ever slept with her best friend's boyfriend, which she has, and they haven't told the best friend that. And then it comes out and they accuse this guy that's a YouTuber of, you know, setting up these cards. And then they get darker, like stick your hand on a hot stove. Yeah. Then right? the flesh from that burnt hand. And- right. So it begins to escalate. And then they realize that Carter, who's the one that organized the outing and is a YouTuber, has nothing to do with these cards. That the cards are coming from a supernatural entity that lives in the house is what we're believing. Um, now, it starts off earlier in 1983. We see one young lady um and this you see her friend die and she dumps acid on herself yep and she puts uh baking wet, powder like, and yeah, wet baking, baking soda powder and, coated, and coated water face. yeah to try to do the dare right so then it flashes back to modern day so they they've heard all about they're going there because they heard all about this haunting that happened in 1983 they get told by the tv as they start arguing about the cards that so an old-fashioned TV displays a warning that says the group has 48 hours to complete three rounds of the game. They try to leave, but the doors and windows open and trap doors and windows close, trapping everyone inside. Yep. Right. So that's where we have the guy that puts his hand on the hot stove. And the special effects for that were actually pretty good because he doesn't yeah. want to do it. And then he gets forced over to the stove. The girl that eats the flesh, she eats some of it. And then the old-fashioned phone rings and they pick it up and they're like, no, you have to eat all of it. And we're making it sound like this is a cheesy film. This isn't cheesy. This well, I mean, is probably better than the Blumhouse film. It is. I'll say it's a cheesy concept because it's a supernatural entity just like 
doing like the whole calling up seven days type yep. shit. But at the same time, like it sounds cheesy, but it's not. And the like, acting was actually pretty good. Yeah. And I was saying it has Guillermo from uh, what we do in the shadows, which just yeah. made me smile. I thought but, the, um, I thought the characters and you got behind them. You actually didn't want anyone to really get hurt or die. Yeah. Like uh, they, they all were likable characters. I think there was one that was kind of a dick, but he like, he even turned around a bit. Um, that was the one that, uh, I can't remember if I'm getting this confused again, but was there the guy that was going to college? Like they had that lawyer in interview. Was that in this movie or was it? No, that- you're missing God opportunities. <laughs> so in this movie, after we have the flesh eating dare, so these stairs are all on cards that they're reading, right? So yeah. another card for our buddy that played in, um, I can't remember his name now. What was his name in here? Was it Holt? Holt. Holt gets told that he has to draw, grab live wires and they're like, what yes. wires? And then a chandelier falls and the chandelier breaks and these wires are there. So they're able to kind of figure out that, okay, you grab the wires and then Carter, who's, you know, the superstar track athlete with a blanket is going to knock you off the, the wires. And if we have to, we'll give you CPR, which they, they do. They manage to survive that dare. So they begin to learn that they need to work together to get through dares. Then there's one where the all-star baseball guy has to have his knee smashed in by a baseball bat. Yeah. Right. And then one of the girls, I guess she was in a car accident and one of the dare, one of the things is tell the truth. And I guess she was addicted to pain medicine and she keeps denying it and denying it. Like, you know, you got to tell the truth. If you don't do the dare, the dare does you is with a big tagline that's used in this film. And this is where I got to confuse the other one because right? there's kind of a correlation with the other character in the other movie. There is only it's just cards that you see and it's just yeah. writing places. You never actually hear the entity speak or anything right. like that, which is different than the Blumhouse one. It's just card stuff. So eventually Addison tries to leave and she gets killed. And when they go and they report this to the police, the police are like, well, this just sounds like a suicide thing. Like you guys did a suicide pact and we're playing a game that got too dark and shit happened, right? Yep. So they do leave. And when they go back to their dorm room. Um, I think it's Carter that gets messed up in this one. It's Carter that gets messed up because he had feelings for the girl that killed himself and he gets hung. Yep. So because the dare is for him to hang himself. He doesn't yeah. want to do it. So then the entity hangs him for like hangs him purposely. Yeah. And yeah, this one, like uh, it's interesting because the entity is like forcing this stuff to happen to you. Like whether you want to do the dare or not, the, the dare is going to happen. And the dares start off being pretty, like you only get two like little truth ones that are like, ha ha ha, that were written on the cards. And then they all get dark. Yeah. They're either explo- exposing really dark secrets of I slept with someone's boyfriend. I have a drug ag- addiction or making them grab live wires or, you know, and it, and then you find out later that the dares are supposed to be their undoing. So ethically what they've done of wrong stuff. So for, I'm going to go through some of the characters here because I thought that was a really good call into the truth or dares, right? It was making them kind of face their demons. Yeah. So the guy that was a star athlete, he gets dared to rob a gas station yep. because he always has to win. And of course he goes in there, he tries to rob the gas station. He ends up getting shot by the clerk. Yep. And then um, like, I like that concept and I like that because they uh, end up talking to the survivor from the 1983 yep. incident. Yep. And you find out that Donna, yes, yep. which is played by Heather Langenkamp. That's right. And, uh, but you find out that these dares can be done as a team. Like, because the dare is not, except for put your hand on the hot stove or what is the secret you're keeping there's some that are done like 
they're truth ones or ones that are done individually. But then as the dares go on, there's times that you can share it. Yep, share and, it there. But at the same time, like as that, like the supernatural entity, I think kind of figures out what they're trying to do because then he starts pinpointing like specific dares for each person that only one person can do. Right. So then there's one with Holt's character where he was involved in a hit and run. And the dare that he gets is get run over by a car. Yeah. And they try to just run over his foot, but then the entity takes over and completely runs him over. Yeah, because they have a certain amount of time to complete these dares. Yeah. And before... when the time runs out, then you, you're fucked and the entity will do it for you. And then there's one about like, oh, my favorite though, I thought was really smart here. And I thought about it afterwards. When they originally get to the house, so we kind of jumped ahead, we're going to jump back. So the one that dies is Carter, the rest of them and Jesse in the, in the robbery and in the hanging respectively. And then the rest of them, so I would say the other six, show up at the house. They go back to the house because that's where they need to complete the game. Yeah. And they get there and they walk up, they are like, drink it all or something like that. And it's a glass of quote unquote poison. Yeah. Now I could never get why they said poison because I'm sure looking at that glass, what did you think it was? I couldn't tell what the it hell. It was antifreeze. I was going to say like it looked bluish. So I was thinking maybe antifreeze. Yeah, it was It was definitely antifreeze. It, but what was smart, and I think they did this so they didn't get sued, is they said poison because then the guy that was one of the, that was going to become a doctor was like, what we're going to do is shotgun sodas that will coat our stomach and then allow us to vomit up this material. Like what we're, what we're drinking, the poison. And they probably didn't want to say antifreeze and have a bunch of dumbass teenagers chug Coca-Cola and try it. and then drink some antifreeze to see if it will coat their stomach, so to quote unquote, and vomit it up. Right. Right. So I thought that was actually really smart of the filmmakers. Yep. And while I'll say the smart of the filmmakers and kind of a smart move with the characters too. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think that would actually really happen. I thought it was more the filmmaker smart to be like, it's poison. Cause he sniffed it. I'm like, it's poison. I'm like, how the fuck would you know what poison smells like? And then I'm like, true, yeah. antifreeze. And then I'm like, Oh, I get it. They don't want people like thinking that this is a way that they can survive drinking antifreeze. You know, we got people that eat Tide Pods for fuck's sake. So like, you know, yeah, we, we got have people to be... that, and we also have people that put gas in plastic bags. So yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like we got people that do some really stupid shit. So I thought that was really smart on the filmmaker's part. And then there's abstracting of teeth that needs to be done. Huh, they are, huh, they have huh. to play a game of, uh, what's that game with the gun? Uh, Russian roulette. Russian roulette. And then finally at the end, the two girls, so the two, the one girl that, you know, her boyfriend slept with her best friend. They're the only two left alive and they have to get seven body parts between the two of them. So they start off smart. They start off with hairs and fingernails and then yeah, they she, have to break down to fingers and toes. Yeah, she and, tried skin, but then the entity basically said whole parts. And yeah. that's like just a piece of skin isn't the whole part. You'd have to flay your whole entire body. Yeah, right. So it's it, it's actually a really solid film. The dares escalate in each round. So, you know, in the first round, you kind of had these other guys die at the, the gas station or stuff like that. Actually, no, that would be round two. The second round um, was when the gas station occurred, the hanging occurred. And then we also have the, the other stuff that happens when they first get to the house. And really the only two people that are left for round three are the two best friends. Yeah. Because everyone has to go three times. Yep. Yeah. I was saying like, yeah, this one is uh, definitely more of the mean, mean spirited one. Like it's long lines of would you rather and the mean spiritedness with the way it's dares are. And the dares I think are very, it escalates quickly. And it's a very fast paced film. You get there, yeah. you get a little bit of character development. They start playing the game and the game takes up 
majority of the movie. I would say probably 80% of the movie is the game or related to the game. And the dares are very, very intense, uh, very, very um, heavy and tie back to some kind of guilty thing that they've done, which I do think they tried to do with the Blumhouse one. But I honestly think this film did a better job of it. And they look like teenagers in this one. Like they look like college kids that just got into college. And I think the concept of them going to this creepy, you know, haunted house and renting it out and all this kind of stuff was just um, perfect. Like, I, I really think this is a great example of truth or dare gone bad. Yeah, I'll say this is a very good example, especially of all the truth or dare movies that are out there. This will be the fourth one that I've seen total. And oh, okay. this is definitely the better of all the four. Nice. I haven't seen, I've only seen this one in the Blumhouse one. Yeah, there's there's one from the 80s. Never watch. It's, it's okay. bad. It's bad. <laughs> okay. What was the other one that you saw? Uh, it was like some made for TV one, I think. And mm. it was just like almost like lifetime. It was yeah, not, not good either. Not good either. Okay. The only thing I didn't get was the ending of this. So Alex's final dare is to kill her friend but she doesn't and she slams into a tree and then there's a gasp that heard that indicates that there's at least one survivor yep um what i took that as is because the dare was still like the timer was still going like she like the entity hadn't taken over yet like to finish off the dare so what she was thinking was i'll slam into the tree that'll be us sharing the dare like in a way because i'm trying to kill her but it won't kill her but i think like just because of how fucked up her friend was because she chopped off her friend's foot and was probably bleeding to death as it was that i think when she hit that truck or hit the truck hit the tree so hard i think it killed her friend and she was the one left alive because the gasp sounded like it was from her yeah okay that's what i think ended up happening i think she still technically killed her friend and was left alive okay Cool. I think what she was trying to do was trying to like either kill them both or to just try to split the dare somehow. Interesting. It's it has a really it has a zero fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on six reviews. Well, that's only six reviews. Wow. I don't think that's really fair. I think if more people watch this movie, they would see that it's not a bad film. Yeah, like this like is probably not. one. I think it's kind of the cover. Also, I think it's one where people just skip past it because it just yeah. doesn't look like it'd be that good. Like I've skipped past it for several years because I didn't think it was going to be good. And fuck me, I was surprised how good this was. I think this is a movie that if you're looking for something to watch closer to Halloween or you really like movies that involve games or you liked Bloom's House Truth or Dare, I think you'll like this one too. I think you might like this one more. Yeah. To be honest. Yep, I'm right there with you. So and I think it it did a it did a good job of capturing the escalation of truth or dare and what can happen during that game. Yeah, yeah, because it goes pretty. Uh, it's like you said, it starts off and then just kind of goes into it pretty quickly. Right. Well, let's we've been talking about the other one, so let's get to it. <laughs> All right. So just so everyone knows, this is there's reasons why I'm getting the two confused. Uh, but the next one is Truth or Dare from Blumhouse, which was released April 13th, 2018. A group of friends who are lured into a game of Truth or Dare realize that the ones who, who lie or do not follow the rules end up dead mysteriously. Um, so it, the reason I'm getting this one is confused is because it's got a big group of the college type <laughs> characters, just like the other one. So it's the characters all started blending in together. Um, right off the bat, though, the thing I was getting confused with the character and this one, the guy that's the lawyer going in for the lawyer interview. 
he is known for selling prescription drugs, which yes. in my head tied it to the character in the other movie. Who was oh, with the prescription drugs? Yes, yes, yes. That's why I was getting mixed up there. Oh, maybe that's where she did get it from. Maybe right, that's what I was gonna say. Universe. Like maybe it was yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this one, uh, they're kind of, I think they're in Mexico on spring break. Yeah, they, they go to, they, and and this has a lot of plot development leading up to it. Like, yeah. you meet Olivia, who is this real, like, you know, Habitats for Humanities, get back, get back. And they convince her to go to Mexico, which is just across from the border. So they're obviously on the border of Mexico somewhere. I'm assuming California. Yeah. Um. And she has a crest on her best friend's boyfriend, which is a really similar to the 2017 one. Mm-hmm. And they go to Meg. Like, there's a whole setup that takes like at least 15, 20 minutes before you get to the actual meat of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. And like in this one, when the game does start, like the truths are pretty much like, all right, tell us your darkest uh, secret right away type shit. Like, it doesn't give much buildup. It's just like, already we're pissing people off yes yes but it's because these characters are kind of all douchey in a way and are always like kind of trying to get stab at each other well and like it really sets up with like okay so they're in mexico and you know olivia's best friend is marky who cheats on her boyfriend to the point where her boyfriend is sitting there talking to olivia and she's making out with a guy behind him yeah like it's little over the top anyway so uh, olivia meets this guy named carter and carter's like oh man i can keep the party going because the bar closes are all like i want a party mom like it's a typical like break i felt like it was like teristas mixed with like a fucking supernatural truth or dare movie so anyway they go to this abandoned fucking i don't know what it was monastery or something like that and they play a normal round of truth or dare like they ask the questions yeah because everybody has to be asked so you get your typical like dare for girl on girl option which happened in the other one too mm-hmm. there's a lot of dare for girls to kiss um and that i think just happens in most truth or dare games always, like when they right? get yeah and like the dudes are i don't know like some of the stuff is just like do you know that olivia is in love with your boyfriend yeah like all automatically just like something just like shit to just stir the drama and that wasn't done by the entity that no. was done no that was just I, by that the was character. for the entity i think to get information i think yeah. the entity used that to be like what is everyone here most fragile about because they saw with the party girl how much she likes to party um and then how much you know the other guy wants to be a doctor and all this other shit or yeah be a doctor and all this other shit right so Anyway, it comes out when it gets to like Carter's turn and they're like, what's your intentions with Olivia? Where they think he's going to say something really sweet. He's like, I needed someone gullible to get to play this game because I'm okay with strangers dying if I can. Live. Yeah, just like so over the right? top. <laughs> and, uh, and mind you, I still like this movie. I do find it fun. Oh, so do I. I thought um, it was fun. But the real good part of this, like there's a lot of like waiting for the dares to build up. I find that the other one didn't take as much time. No. And it's hard not to compare because they both have the same names, right? Yep, same name, very similar situation with a supernatural entity playing the game. It's just the supernatural entity in this way is taking the form of people that they know, making them hallucinate that they're smiling yes. with these big smiles, asking the questions when they're not right. actually Very doing much that. special effects. So you know, they come back and, and they're not like Evan or the Carter guys, like, now you guys have to play the game, do the dare. If you get asked, do the dare, tell the truth. If you don't, you die. Yep. And so this is where I was also confused because, yeah, this is the where the, the, they change the rules with truth or dare in this, where it's two truths and then you're forced to do a dare. Yes. Instead of two truths and a lie, they change to the, oh, you can do two truths and then you have to do a dare. 
So, you know, we have where Ronnie gets killed, kills himself when he doesn't show his dick at the pool hall. You yeah, have or yeah, that, he slips on the billiard ball and breaks his neck. Right. We have Olivia who gets, you know, picks truth and blurts out that Marky's been serious, serially unfil- unfaithful to Lucas. Uh, Marky's later on forced to break Olivia's hand. And then Brad, their gay friend, is forced to tell his father that he's gay. Like there's, there's like, obviously it's trying to get through the first round or the second round, which is like intense, but there's no limit. Like, it's not where like, okay, you got to play truth or dare for 48 hours and we'll see if you make it. It's like, you got to play truth or dare forever. Yeah. And like, ever. And then if you're the sole survivor, you got to get others to play it. Yeah. Like and it's a you game that you're free. started in this curse. Right. So which you find out later on that it is a curse and that it came from a woman who um i guess she was being molested her and her you know the other people lived in the monastery by the priest and they summon this spirit to help them destroy the priest but the spirit then wanted to continue to raid darkness so she had to cut out her tongue as a sacrifice which is how you find out it's going to to end so i think what i liked about this movie was the sensationalist of the dare so where i found in the other truth or dare movie the dares were kind of like i don't want to say reasonable but like get hit by a car that is something that you would have access to i would get in my car i'd run you over right like this one would have stuff like you know walk around the roof drinking the tequila bottle till it's empty yeah and try which is one of my favorite scenes i think that's a really well done scene yeah it's very tense and then there's the uh uh what was the other one trying to think uh the sex one well, that one was just kind of funny. Like, Where like Olivia and Lucas have sex and then midway through she makes him say truth or dare, who do you love more? And he says that he's in love with her best friend, not her. Like it's it has a lot of teenage. It's very Blumhouse. It's yeah, very teenage angsty. Very teenage angsty. Very much so. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, and each one of these dares are like the dares and the truths are all like specifically targeted for that type of person so like the party girl is forced to drink all the alcohol walking around the roof the uh perverted asshole character well quote-unquote perverted asshole character which i just couldn't uh i couldn't uh believe his character because i've seen him in the goldbergs tv show and he's such a nerdy dork in that show that it was he was just the same character but trying to be all like perverted and asshole-ish but you know he's supposed to show his dick and like yeah just shit like that yeah, I I did like the the one guy that was going for his interview for medical school. Yes. And, you know, just one question, how long you've been selling prescriptions? And then, you know, he refuses to tell the truth. So he stabs himself in the eyeball. Like the deaths are really cool. Like there's some really cool, very final destination feeling kind of death stuff that happens in this one. Yeah, hell, the uh, even the opening scene with the woman that walks into the gas station and the oh, gas yeah. teller like says truth or dare and she has to go light that woman on fire that's just like that's fucked up it is fucked up it is fucked up um you know eventually in the course there's a secret that olivia went to marky's house and that was a secret she'd been keeping from marky is that marky's dad killed himself and olivia blames herself because she went to marky's house one day when marky wasn't there and she ended up sitting with marky's dad for 
hours drinking, which like, anyway, yeah. And then he hits on her and all this other shit. And anyway, it's, it's, I'm kind of sounding like I don't like it. Here's what I like about it. I like that the dares escalate. I like that, you know, they're, they're customized to the, to the people that it happens to. I love how easy and calm everybody is with crossing the Mexican border and everything seems to be fine every time that they go to fucking do this shit. Yeah, right. I don't know what the reason is when they pull up to the border and they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to come over the border now. What's your reason? Yeah. Get rid of a demon. And that's where I did prefer the other one because it was in a house that was local it seemed a little more real yeah um, well, and this one just i think it just went a little too over the top with the main character having so many fucking secrets against her best friend oh my god she was in love with her boyfriend that her dad tried to make out with her like and constantly being like i have something else to tell you yeah it was, like, just, just it was over and over again like oh i just th- there's just something that's gonna break her heart if i tell her this is gonna break her heart it's like how many things are you keeping secret? You are not a good fucking friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, eventually they all find, you know, the guy that originally kicked open where the tongue was kept and released the spirit. They bring him back there and they're playing this epic final game of truth or dare where they're getting basically dared to kill each other. And eventually Olivia outsmarts the demon, which I do like this part. And says, truth or dare, demon truth picks truth and is like, well, how can I beat the game? You can't beat the game. It will go on forever. And that's yeah. where she finds out that this is a never ending game. Like they didn't already know that. They should have <laughs> right. from Carter, but that's fine. Who is also Sam and he just changed his name. So bottom line is she chooses, and this all ties back to the moral issue that she was asked first in the movie, which was, if you had to choose between everyone in Mexico dying or saving people in this room, who would you choose? And she's like, I would save the people in Mexico. So as she's leaving with her friend Marky, after being told that there's no end unless she gets more players into the game, she tells Marky she chooses her. And then she makes a YouTube video that um, basically asks everyone truth or dare. And it reminded me of another movie we saw that did a video thing as well. It was uh, The Cleansing Hour. The Cleansing Hour. I think the cleansing hour did it better. Yes. I think this was basically you watch this video, you get asked truth or dare, you're automatically in the game. Now this demon can travel all around the world and hopefully it's just not your turn anytime soon. So it does give a little bit more of a concrete ending, but I do enjoy how the truth or dare game is used in this. I do think it takes too long to get to the dares, but I think some of the dares are really fucking cool. And so are the special effects. Um, and it's just a typical Blumhouse movie. Yep. I found this one just fun, like mm-hmm. where the other Truth or Dare was a little more hard to watch, not because it was bad, obviously, but no, hard to watch just because of the things they had to do to each other. Yes. Yes. And this one, it was just more fluffy fun because the, the dares, while were inventive, mm-hmm. they weren't just like cringe, like, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Yeah. It was very basic kind of dares compared yep. to the other one. Yeah. Like if I would compare it to, I like the other one better, but this one was still fun to watch and but yeah well, more definitely... money was put into this one too and they could yeah. do more with it too right um so yeah overall both good applications of the truth or dare game both escalated uh which i thought was really cool and why don't we go to our last movie all right so the last movie we are talking about for this topic is escape room from january 4th 2019 so this is the one that was the theatrical released escape room because once again there's a ton of escape room movies. Yes, we're talking about the one that was actually released in theaters. Uh, six people from different walks of life participate in an escape room competition to win ten thousand dollars. Things change when they find themselves in horrifying circumstances. 
Man, uh, this one, it's pretty much the game from beginning to end. There is no yeah. waiting to get into the game. Like, there's like maybe like what, five, 10 minute scene to get You get probably there. about a 10 minute of introduction to characters where we meet really only, you know, a couple of characters that we get a background for. Yeah. And um, like the rest of them, we get the like a lot more background as the movie progresses. Like, we get a big background about Ben, we get a background yeah. about Zoe, and we get a background about Jason. A little bit of about Amanda. Yeah. Mike and Danny, we meet in the room. Yep. Yep. That's right. right. And they um, were two of my favorite characters, actually, Mike and yeah. Danny. Yeah, I really liked Mike and Danny too. So basically the, the concept of this is all these characters have been sent puzzle cubes by people that they quote unquote trust or know and that they have been invited to an escape room which has a winning prize of $10,000. So Scott, have you ever been to an escape room? I have. Uh, I did one, like, strangely enough, for our accounting class. It nice. was uh, our teacher wanted to do a team building type workshop thing. So she had us do an escape room. And of course, this escape room had like 20 different ones. And there were like four or five that were horror themed. I'm like, all right, let's do the horror themed one. No one wanted to do the horror themed one. Fucking pussies. No, of course not, right? No. Freaking pussy bastards. But anyways, um, so we just did like uh, kind of like a mobster themed one. But yeah, that was. Yeah, that's one I did too. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was, I, I found it to be a lot of fun because yeah, you do have to work as a team because these are some challenging little puzzles in these in these escape rooms. So I did a, an escape room as well. I did a monster themed one and we start off in a jail, right? So they put you in this jail cell. And <laughs> I remember I was obsessed that the toilet had something to do with it. And I was trying to like open up the fucking head lid of the toilet and shit. And like, finally someone had to come over and go, there's nothing in the toilet. Stop looking in the toilet. And you can ask for clues and stuff like that. So they that's still- funny. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, cause that's funny. Cause I was the exact same way now with the toilet. Uh, the one that we were in, we were mobsters breaking into another mobster's house and getting a jewel that he had stowed away. And there was this pool cue that was in two pieces. And I was so hyper-focused on this pool cue. Yeah. Like pool stick. Cause I'm like, it's, it connects together and I'm trying to twist them together and it wouldn't twist together. I'm going, no, these got to connect for something. There's a reason why these connect blah, blah, blah. And like, I sat there for like 20 minutes. Someone had to come over and go, put it down. They don't, it's not necessary. <laughs> I'm going, but there has to be a reason for it. Like it is, I was so hyper-focused like you. That is kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I totally believed that this was something that we were going to, you know, had something to do with it. And you, and you get a timed. I think it was an hour that we had in order to solve it. So yep. I do like the setup for this, how they're in the waiting room. Room, but we realize that it's not a waiting room that it turns it ends up being a giant oven that begins to heat up yeah. the room right yeah because these are supposed to be immersive immersive escape rooms. escape rooms right and of course they think it's like super fake and there's some really great dialogue that happens here right like i really think ben's character is really fucking funny there's a line that he says to danny when danny's like we should let the women get out first or we should let her go first he's like dude no one wants to have sex with you you can just <laughs> like it's just right funny yeah uh which one was ben he's the one that we he's the one that lives at the end okay yeah yeah I can't, i'm um, always terrible with character names I'm yeah sorry. ben is the one he continues on to escape room too okay um so it is anyway i i thought that whole scene with them figuring out the coasters and the water and the cooler and it makes very it makes a lot of sense if you've been in escape room so those clues actually do make sense uh, yep. but the problem is it's so immersive right that yep. it's one of those if you don't uh succeed in a certain amount of time you're all dead 
right? And you see that Amanda starts having freaking out about it because of, you know, you find out later she was from the Iraq war and that there was a bombing and that she got burnt and other people burned to death. So they get through this room, they kind of figured it out together and they go through like this whole strategy of the door handle falling off and this thing happening, something else happens, which is very escape roomy. Like it was very escape room, just over the top sensationalized yep. right this room i would say is the only one that truly felt like a well this one and the very last room felt like true escape rooms the other ones i thought all of them did i see the other ones didn't feel like it too much like was a little uh like the especially the upside down billiard room one felt a little too uh yeah that's Hollywood-ized. a little over the top yeah but i think the one with the hospital beds did Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, I never think of that one as an escape room for some reason, even though it is. It is, right? So there's, so there's one, two, three, three four, four five, six. five, six escape rooms. Yep. Right. So they, they get into this kind of winter one and they, and they, this is where each, like, we're finding out more of a backstory. If I know Ben killed his friends in a drunk driving accident, they were singing the, they were singing Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and he puts it together that that's one of the clues. They go outside, it gets really cold, they're on top of ice. Uh, Danny, unfortunately, falls through the ice and drowns. His death is actually really, like, sad. Yeah, I was like, because he was one of the characters I really wanted to see make it through, because, like, he was that nerdy guy that's like, oh, I'm so in love with these games. Well, and he was the one that kind of understood the game room stuff and kind of felt that it was real, like, fake like it wasn't really happening to him yeah uh so he that that, that's sad and then you get a little bit more of a backstory about jason on how there was like the same jacket so he was in a situation where him and his friend tipped over sailing and they were getting hypothermia and his friend couldn't like swam off and jason got left with the jacket and wore the jacket and stayed warm and shit like that so they're passing this jacket around. They have to melt a key to get out of that room. The room implodes and they go to the billiards room, which is my favorite escape room. Yeah, that one is uh, just, this is the one that I don't think like was not realistic, but it was fun as hell to watch. And, and yet again, very tense. Very tense and some killer lines from Ben. So when they're in the winter wonderland and they think he's the game master. So Danny had talked about a game master and sometimes a game master is placed in with uh, the group to throw you off your track. And he's like, do I, I work at a grocery store. And he's like, there's a wealth trader over here, creepy old man, Mike, a fucking Iraqi vet or a war vet. And so he, honestly, you look like your parents locked you in your basement. If you didn't do your homework, <laughs> like he said some funny shit, yeah. like, and it well, obviously he was written well, but his delivery of it was really funny. Yep. Yeah, him and Mike, Mike, him and Craig, Mike yeah. were great. Actually, all the characters are great. And you hated Jason. Oh, he was guy. such an asshole. He was such an asshole. Like you did hate him. Um, though he was a mixture. He did save Zoe a couple of times. Like he did some nice things, but then when it got to push came to shove, it was all his about true himself. colors came out. Right. Yeah. But he wasn't a dick throughout the entire thing. Like he did help other people at parts. Yeah. Right um anyway so the billiards room where the floor is collapsing at the end of the song <laughs> downtown <laughs> like when you're alone and life is making you lonely you can always oh, man. go and like these intense scenes are the fill the floor is collapsing and they're trying to figure out the clues and of course amanda ends up sacrificing herself so they can continue on like it's just a really like like intense film now you watched it for the first time with a friend well a friend watched it for well, the first second, time yeah I was, they the watched it me. it was their first time yep what did they think of it did they like it as much as we do uh yes uh because i actually got a message later on that night going that escape room movie was freaking awesome 
she, like she really had a great time watching it. thought it was a lot of fun and had some very tense scenes too like because it does it does have it does. some very tense scenes it does have some very tense scenes so once amanda passes like she sacrifices herself she falls to her death obviously our main character so our main protagonist now is very upset uh, and they get put into this room with all these hospital beds and they realize that the people that brought them there knew everything about them. So they read Amanda and Danny's chart and they see that all of them have something in common. They were, they were survivors, the only survivor. So in Jason's case, he lived, his friend did not. So he survived the plane crash. Uh, Mike survived a mine being imploded in. Danny's family all died of carbon dioxide poisoning. He was the only one that got out. Amanda survived in Iraq. So, and then Ben survived the drinking and driving accident. So and they had their their beds and their medical history. And then they kind of, and this, this is where I found this escape room for me got really dark. Like we had characters die up to this point, but this is the first time you see one character basically sacrifice another one. Yeah, because yeah, he was thinking like the sped up heart rate was how you unlock the next door, but it was the exact opposite where you're supposed to have a very slow heart rate. And yeah. so he was using those freaking paddles on poor Mike was it yeah mike and just kept shocking him and shocking him and shocking him until he freaking gave him a heart attack yeah right and and this is where you begin to see the switch of the characters so you see ben's character trying to help mike and trying to take that protagonist role and jason's character kind of just being like fuck this and so we just losing her mind and slashing all the cameras yeah like um this is where like uh, uh was jason um he just kind of turns almost a little too fast for me. Yeah, he kind of went from like, I oh, to dick, but he's still being helpful to, he basically kills one of the players. Yeah, because he reminded me almost of that character from Cube that was like, mm. oh, he's kind of like a dick and all of a sudden just out of nowhere just turns. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's actually a really good comparison. Um, I like that escape room too. I think it's very accurate to escape rooms. And this is where you find out how dark it is. Like now Amanda's died. Danny's died. Like they're like, we're fucked. Right. So he stays behind. Ben tries to get her out. She stays. She insists on saying poisonous gas fills the room. I don't know how Zoe survived. Um, unless she just, Um, I think she ended up getting a hold of that oxygen mask in time. That's what and she like did. used it for a bit and then ended up passing out. Okay. I think that's kind of um, what the movie was trying to portray anyways. Okay. And then it's Jason and Ben in this other room and then gas gets released into that room and it makes them all like fucked up and shit. There's one antidote. So we're, we're reliving Jason's experience on the sailboat. Ben basically calls him out and is like, you're full of shit. I know what happened on that boat. You know, yeah, you killed are, your friend. And they end up tripping out in this very trippy room and they like just... That's that's why they need the antidote because yeah they're like literally it's like someone gave them like ten doses of acid because everything's melting and just moving yeah. all over yeah and, yeah but and I thought the one thing that was really good about this room and Ben's accusation it makes sense for what happened in the previous room yeah right so Ben survives Jason does not and Ben's in the final room that you see in the opening scene yeah which I once again forgot all about because when I was watching the, the second time I was like. Oh yeah, I forgot this guy gets killed. And then I'm like, wait, no, he doesn't. He's at the end of the movie. So that's what this, that's the whole, like they showed us the ending at the beginning. And he ends up being really one of the smarter characters, right? Like he ends up being one of the ones that is actually, for someone who just works at a grocery store, as he kept saying, he's actually quite aware of what's going on. Yeah, and he was able to figure out a lot of things pretty quickly. Like he like, did a really good job of putting stuff together. Yep, and then we get to the uh, you know when he finally escapes there, he gets to the end where he gets to meet uh, forget the guy's the name, game but, master. Yeah, the game master, 
which is basically just saying, oh, you're the lone survivor? You're dead. That's what yeah, he's trying to do. He's going to kill him. But then Zoe's like, oh, no, you fucking didn't. And meanwhile, we know that she's managed to kill the two guards that um, came in to collect her from the gas room. And Zoe and him escape. They overpower the game master and they escape. And of course, you know, when they bring the police back, there is, you know, no proof of it. And they're like, we found your buddy had so much drugs in his system. We don't believe what you're saying. And of course, these are rich, powerful people, right? So everything's being hushed, hushed. And then we find out that they faked the death of everybody else of how they died, um, which is just complete nonsense. Even they're even pissed off about, uh, about Jason. And then they decide that they're going to go to Manhattan to basically prepare, like expose these people, which of course sets up a second movie, right? Um, Which shows even the company testing something that they're going to be on a plane and testing it as a plane escape room. Yeah. Which, yep, really ties in. There will be a part two. Yes, right. And there is a part two and it's coming out this year. So I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see it. Um, I really love this movie. It was on one of my, it was on my top 10 list for 2019. It was my number 10. Um, I didn't see as many movies back then, but I think even if I had seen more, it probably would have been definitely in my top 20. I think it's a really fun film. I think it's a shame that it was released in January and everything's January films are shit. It's proved to me that January films are not shit. Like it, it's it's getting better. It used to be really bad, but yeah, it's getting better with like stuff that's actually getting released. And I think moving forward with the whole things changing because of COVID, I think that January won't January won't be a dumping ground anymore. I agree, and I think this just really captures the glow of escape rooms. I think it came out at the right time. Escape rooms are, you know, really big, and COVID kind of shot those, unfortunately. But I was, there's huge skate rooms around me. There's several different places that have them. And I was planning on going to a bunch when this all got shut down. I've done a virtual skate room since then. That was actually a pretty cool experience Um, over COVID with a team building exercise. I think they're smart. I think this movie was super smart. And I would love to be in something this immersive as long as I didn't die. You know, like the fire thing wasn't really real. And maybe if I fell, I fell on a big like mat. (laughs) I'd be okay with that. Like if the if there was like the whole oven thing, it just like the heat gets turned on, but it's not like cooking you. But he's just like, oh, I'm getting warm. Okay, yeah. like or like I went and you're in the outside. Like okay, they turned the AC on really cold. Okay, I'm really chilly. Yeah, right. You're not exactly. gonna die. You're not in threat yeah. of danger. Like that would be kind of cool and fun. Like that is one thing that I wanted to do with the uh, escape room that I went to. Why I wanted to do the horror themed ones because it was played out like a haunted house. So like while you're trying to do traps, there's like, or trying to figure out the escape room, there was things coming out to scare you as well. Yeah. Like, and it makes it more immersive. That's why I was like, I want to do something like that because that would be a lot of fun. Absolutely, right? So I think that this movie was just really smart on how it was created. And I think that, oh, and it's also by the same person that did the taking of Deborah Logan and Insidious, The Last Key. Oh, no same shit. Director. Okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's one thing I want to tie into this that kind of ties into the game that, uh, earlier from when we were talking about in the Kotaku article. But uh, there was actually an escape room based on Magic the Gathering when I went to one of those giant uh, Grand Prix really? tournaments. Yeah, like it was because it was a release for a new set. So it was uh, based in this old like uh, old church because it was a the plane they were on was kind of like a Lovecraftian horror themed like gothic horror. 
so it was based in this old church and you had like these zombie noises coming from the outside of the church smacking on the windows to kind of just scare you a little bit while you're trying to figure out how to escape the church that's cool yeah i thought that like so i, I wanted to bring that up but yeah that was really neat like i thought it was really because they built it and everything inside the uh area where we were playing that's really cool so you know yet again shows that escape rooms are here to say truth or dare fun little parlor games games that we play as kids simple games that you don't need anything for to play as adults and would you rather yeah you know i think this kind of showed that games are here to stay and that they can make some really good movies out of it now i know we did not choose the big film that came out in 2019 with the bride what is it um oh uh ready or not ready or not and honestly we're only doing four films now we probably would have chose ready or not otherwise Um, like i have an idea for that one later okay so we probably will do ready or not at some point but we didn't do it for the game even though that is a very good game film so i wanted to give a shout out shout out because i didn't think about it for the game part yeah that's a great one to think about and there's also through all the other games and stuff that are available yep and there's also like the ones where people get sucked into video games from the 80s and stuff like that too yep yeah there's all sorts of jumanji would probably be like the easiest low-hanging fruit to do right but if if we were doing anything that was not horror (laughs) right you know, Jumanji was scary for a kid, I guess you could True, say, or, yeah. or um, any of the Ouija board movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because right. Ouija, Ouija board movies are like right. playing a game. Yeah, that's right. true. Right. So, but we chose these. Those were the ones that we thought would be the most interesting to talk about. Now, for Out of Our Dark segment, as you know, we are doing different things each time. And this is we're going to shift gears from horror, is we're going to talk about the last blockbuster documentary that is available on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it yet, we are going to be giving spoilers for that documentary. And it's just going to be our generalized thoughts about it, similar to what we did to Martyrs. So Scott, what did you think of the last blockbuster documentary? Uh, as a documentary, I thought it was pretty good. Like it covered a lot of the topics that, you know, you that was that its main focus was. However, you could tell that it was kind of like a, they had someone asking the questions after everything was recorded. Like they gave whoever they were interviewing the questions like on paper or something. And then they had some voiceover actor do it afterwards. You could totally tell that's what was going oh, on. So I didn't, you were able to figure that out. I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, huh. just felt like that when I was listening to it I'm going that that seems uh seems almost too pre-made but but I think because uh just because I think they didn't expect some of the reactions from some of the people they interviewed (laughs) me like Lloyd Coffin yeah which they should have expected but anyways but I thought this was a very fascinating documentary in general just to kind of see like how far Blockbuster went from being this huge freaking VHS rental place to one store left now, and like yeah. the decisions that, like the poor decisions that were made, and that Netflix didn't kill Blockbuster. Nope that was that was all on the upper management, like I had guessed. Right, you were right, and I think what I found really interesting here is people sometimes praise Blockbuster, but Blockbuster, like any corporate giant, eliminated small family video chains, and they explain why because yeah. of how much it costs to get the rights to get new releases, and Blockbuster was able to buy more than a small video family chain places could. So they would come in and buy up places, which we saw happen here in Canada. And I'm obviously it happened in the United States because I remember not having a Blockbuster. I remember Blockbuster not being a thing. I used to go to a place called Jumbo Video. Yeah, we had Jumbo Video. Video. You guys had Jumbo Video? Yep. And they sold popcorn? Well, not sold Uh, popcorn. They gave you free popcorn to walk around and choose your movie with? Yep. What a bitch that was probably to clean up, right? Oh, man. Right? And what I thought was really interesting as well is that Blockbusters did not have exotic movies. 
Yeah. Which could, you were, could argue gave more business to adult only video stores. Nope. And Blockbuster, they were the more clean, pristine, family friendly type. And um, also, like being the horror movie nerd that I've always been, their selection was always very mainstream horror. They yes. didn't have a lot of like the stuff that you would find back in the day at the mom and pop shops. No. Like, like they would like be, oh, Asylum's Transmorphers, because like it'd be literally stuff that would be on Walmart shelves is what yeah. you see. Yeah, like, absolutely. And it's just that because a lot of people have such seem to have such high nostalgia for Blockbuster. I never really did. I went to no. my nostalgia was family video, mm-hmm. jumbo video, Hollywood cinemas, and a lot of mom and pop shops. The yeah. only memories I have of Blockbuster is my best friend Don worked at Blockbuster for five years right down the road from my house. Yeah. So when I was bored here one day, I would just get up and go drive down to Blockbuster, hang out with him and talk to him while he's working. And I would maybe rent a movie or a game. But that wasn't until like 2005. Yeah. And, I, and I got to watch the deterioration from the inside of how Blockbuster failed. And I was even yeah. part of their mail-in service when they were trying to compete with Netflix, where they'd mail you discs. I signed up for that just to kind of help out Don's store. And yeah, like it was just dumb decision after dumb decision that brought these guys down. Netflix, you know, coming out kind of forced them to try to make these dumb decisions, but it wasn't Netflix's fault. No, well, Netflix tried to partner with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing I didn't know. And they turned them down. Yeah. And I think that most interesting thing about this documentary, I agree with you. I was a big fan of independent video stores. They definitely had more variety. I remember going to this place called Video Flicks, which like I loved and they had a bum, a, a, a bum. A, like bum, bubble gum machine. Um, I had a hard time getting that out there for some reason, bubble gum <laughs> machine where you would put a quarter in and if you got the black gumball, you got a free rental. And like when oh, you nice. got that black gumball, it was like, fuck yeah. And like, and they had one of those frequent like video rental cards that you could get and you'd be rushing back to return the video. And that like, it was a very cool experience. Now I'm going to probably piss people off with what I have to say at the end of all this. Um, But I think that Blockbuster did something that, that was really commendable. They managed to market a store that you could walk into every blockbuster was the same you could find movies easily you knew where the snacks were going to be everything was consistent which is what a corporation is and i think they mastered that as a corporation yeah i do not have the nostalgia for blockbuster either i could care less about if i was in that area and their last blockbuster was there i would go in but i have no interest in traveling to see it yeah and i would not be like those people going oh my god that brings back some memories i'd just be like yep it's a blockbuster I would rather go back if if someone said to me we're going to rebuild video flicks or jumbo video I would be more likely to do that because I have more fonder memories of that than I do a blockbuster now you know that being said I think this documentary also outlined very clearly that getting rid of the late fee charge which is where they made a lot of their revenue in terms of competing with Netflix after Netflix had already come to them mm-hmm. and asked a partner was the nail in the coffin because then you wouldn't get movies coming back. Yeah, like you never knew when movies would be back because uh, the way they got rid of late fees, if I remember correctly, was you paid, I think, 15 bucks a month to be a member of like the special type and you would just be able to rent movies for rent movies or rent games for as long as you wanted and return them when you were finished. And yep, that is where the nail in the coffin, because I used that for a bit because I would, and I was guilty of it. I would rent a video game and I would hold on to it for like a month and a half and go, oh shit, I got to return that at some point. 
right? Like already you have issues with library stuff not being returned and that's small fish. Yeah. And I think what really people don't want to admit this, but the reason why digital is easier is, or or the reason why digital is still standing Netflix ended up becoming more popular is because it's easier. And I know we all want to live in this world where we think people want to go to a video store. They don't. No. no If they did, they would all still be here. (laughs) Exactly. Like, Like, I'm going to say it now. Like, seeing all the family videos closed down last year, like, and how many people were, like, really sad about that. I'm going, like, you and I were talking about it, but it's like, you know. Sad, but like. Yeah, sad to see it go because it's just an end of an era. But at the same time, how many of these people that were showing how sad they are actually went to family video and helped them out? And the thing is, is that if you want to run a video store now, where there's a market is the hard to find films. And we talked about two of them already, Solo and the Serbian film. Yeah, you could you could have just a video store that had films that are difficult to get from streaming and you would get business, you would get people that would travel to get that because I know this I looked for a fucking guitar for Guitar Hero and was willing to travel an hour away from my house in order to get it. So if I really wanted to find a movie and I knew Toronto, which still does like have those video rental stores and stuff like that, small independent ones, but they specialize in things and they have that specialized experience. The reality is the basic white bitch stores like Blockbuster of video stores isn't needed now because I can get the basic bitch movies through Netflix, Prime, Shutter or VOD in general or Voodoo or Tubi or or Hulu, like Crave in Canada. Like there's just so many options that people be like, oh, I miss it. I this. Yeah, you may miss it in nostalgia, but the reality is you don't miss going to return a film. You don't miss going there and hoping that there's going to be a copy of that film there and and it not there and being disappointed. And you don't miss going up to the register, getting ready to rent a movie and they go and all right, you have a $10 late fee. Right. Exactly. There's all these there, you know, it was the rental stores like that were for a time and era that was basic bitch rental stores. I think yet again, specialty video stores. Like there's, that's different. Yeah, that's why I did like family video because family video, not only were their rentals cheap because you could rent uh, five bucks for five nights Mm -hmm. with a lot Mm -hmm. of movies. And they also, once they new, because, you know, once they, a new release comes out, they get hundreds of copies of or whatever. When that's not a new release anymore, they'll put them up for sale for like dirt cheap. And you can just go in there and yep. buy, buy them up there. And yep, I think absolutely. that's how come Family Video was still around Lasted. all the way till 2020. Yeah. Like, yep. and there's still a few that are still standing. Like, I think everyone around me has finally shut down because there were, I, last year at this time, there was three within a half hour driving distance of me. Mm-hmm. One east, one north, one south. They were so close. Yeah. And I could go to either one of them and any one of them and find some like harder to find horror films and I'd buy up a bunch of them or I'd rent a bunch of them and Mm -hmm. I'd do the same with video games. Like, but yeah, like that is why they still stood because they had a wider selection. They also had the exotic beaded Mm -hmm. curtain rooms. They had like, they had a variety of everything and they also evolved with the times as much as they could. Like hell, they were even selling CBD oil. They were not just selling your basic bitch. Oh, wow. Look at the new Marvel movie that came out. Right. Like, they would they would have copies there, but there'd be also everything else. There'd be other things that you can't find other places, international films that you can't find other places. So I'm not arguing that the video store is gone the way of the dodo bird. I don't think that at all. I just don't think you can open a blockbuster chain and there's a reason why it's gone 
is because it's too basic bitch, basic yeah. films, basic viewing, traditional experience that you can now get from a Netflix, Prime Video, VOD. And even VOD has a limit of rentals too. You order something, the moment you start watching it, you have 48 hours to finish it. Right. Right. So there is still that concept of a time constraint, but it's convenient because I'm at home. Right. Exactly. And the other thing they said in that, in this series that I don't agree with was they were said, well, you know, people want to talk to a human person because that can establish your taste. No. That's what algorithms are for. So if Netflix sees what I watch continuously, they're going to recommend other movies that meet that. That's what technology does. Yeah. Same with Facebook ads, same with everything else. Now, if I want somebody to give me specialized information on specific international horror films, one, I can go to Facebook, but if I didn't want to do that and I did have a specialized horror book or horror movie rental store that also sold other horror stuff and it was all like really deep seated shit, I would go there and be like, hey, I need to watch uncomfortable films. I don't want to just watch a Serbian film and other low hanging fruit. Give me the best you got. Yeah. What else do you recommend? Right? right. That I would definitely do. Absolutely. That is not something you're going to get from algorithms and that you're going to need to get a face on face, but your basic, you liked this romantic comedy. You're probably going to like this other basic romantic comedy can be easily done from algorithms. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, I will say right now, my al- my Amazon algorithm is uh, very fucked up with all the films I've watched for our podcast and shit. <laughs> right. And so I, yet again, I'm not trying to take away the nostalgia from video stores. I think video stores are a lot of fun. I just think sometimes people get to like, oh, Blockbuster was the best. And that's the only thing that drove me crazy with this documentary. Yes. I was like, that's no, the same they thing took I out thought. like a whole bunch of mom and pop video stores. And then eventually a bigger dog came and took them out yep. because and they refused to adapt with the times. <laughs> and that's what it should be. Nostalgia is right? looking back fondly on the past. And that is what you should do. That is what nostalgia is. Don't say, oh, you miss Blockbuster. Blockbuster bullshit. No, right? you miss the mom and pop shops. <laughs> yes. Yes, like, right. Like, and, like especially if you're horror fans like us, Blockbuster didn't have shit. Like they had some. Yeah. Like come on now. Absolutely. No, I think the general moviegoer may miss going to Blockbuster and walking around, and that was a date. Like they've outlined it perfectly. You would go there, argue over what movie to rent, rent a movie, take it home. You know, I I get the whole you know experience thing that they're talking about, but clearly consumer habits have showed us that that wasn't what people wanted. Because Blockbuster did have a mail-in service that was doing quite well and an online service. It was their shitty mismanagement of the company that led to where they led to them downclining. Yeah. And even with the Blockbusters remaining, I I look at that one. And probably the reason why it's still going is one, that lady obviously has some good customer service skills. Maybe the internet in that town isn't that great. Um, Everyone works there or has worked there. It's obviously a very small place. And it's now the last Blockbuster. I went to their website. They have tons of merch that you can yeah. buy. And I'll I'm say, sure like, people will buy that, especially after seeing this documentary. Yep, because I was going to say, this documentary is going to help them stay afloat for a while longer just because of the just because of the nostalgia factor. I mean, hell, even in the documentary where we heard people saying, oh, we drove from California. How long did I take it? 15 hours just to come here. I'm going, okay, you're nuts. Right, and if that's what you want to do, like, rock on. But I think also what she's done that is smart is she goes to Target and other places and buy random films. That's where she's getting the selection that you can't, and she even said, we find stuff that you can't get from streaming. She's smart. That's how you keep a video store going. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, she's doing exactly what should be done. Right? 
that's it's just why like it's still afloat. In Toronto, you can still go into uh, the Beat Goes On, independent record stores. So Toronto's the major city I live near. And they have records, like physical records and tapes and all that kind yep. of stuff and CDs because there's still a market for them. But they're, but they're selling individualized stuff, stuff that, you know, maybe I really want the artwork on that CD or, you know, cinema one's a big, um, video, like video selling chain. Like I should say physical media chain and they're stood the test of time. Why? Because they get shit that you can't get streaming. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's, and that's where it comes down to. And I think the, the ones that have adapted, like, yeah, you, you have your basic bitch stuff that you can get from fucking Netflix or Amazon or whatever, but Hey, we got this and you can't get this online. The yep. only way to watch this is to watch the Blu-ray. That's where the money comes in. Yep, exactly. Right. Like it's just, it's just kind of like, you know, that is the way of things now. Right. So I, I did, I did enjoy this documentary. I did think it was nice to see what the video chain was. I would like to see more on independent video stores um, because I feel like Blockbuster ate them up and then Blockbuster got ate up. Because yeah. their time to independent video stores time to shine would have been now or could be now with, you know, independent films, if they can get the films that are, you know, cult classics or whatever geared to a specific group and sell right. other items and build that business. Yep, exactly. You know, like, minus not being COVID times, right? Because we're also <laughs> right. fucked over that you can't have the experience because there's still comic book stores and stuff like that available too. Um, yeah, very few around my area now, which is kind of shocking. Oh, really? Yeah, I think there's only one comic book shop. We have like five near me. I'll have to take you when you come up. Yeah, because like uh, I don't even go to it anymore. But like, I, I we have hobby shops oh, where okay. all the magic, all the game stuff is. But yeah, we don't have any comic book shops near us anymore, unless like some opened up that I never knew about. But most of the ones I knew about closed down. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But I think it's because comic books are also kind of on the way out. Because once again, digitally they can be read. And I don't know why people get mad about digital stuff. Like, I find that really, don't it's worry, the, there's still physical media available that you can order and have. Yeah, like, and, it's, <laughs> and it's the way of the future and it's just easy. I like it. It is. And there's less, there's less waste, but I don't think physical media at our, in our lifetime will ever go away. No, nope, um, personally in our lifetime is all I can say to that. But yeah, and I forget which podcast said it like, but there was a podcast I was listening to. Oh, I think it might've been uh, exploding heads on episode 139. Christian said, I can see once everything comes out in 4k, we won't see any other new physical format after that. Like everything will just be 8k yeah. streaming, but the physical format will stop at 4k. But that's not to say, cause there's so much fucking content out there to be made in 4k that could go on for long fucking time before that's absolutely that well's dried up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So check it out. It's a good documentary. It's interesting. I think it's great that Netflix put it on and they look like <laughs> the ones that and who knows? I, I do believe, though, that Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix. It makes a lot of sense that Netflix as a little baby company would have come out and said, hey, let's work together. Work Blockbuster team, yeah. was probably like, go fuck yourself. I absolutely believe like, that. I'm a big fish. You're a yeah, tiny little like, fish. Fuck off. Absolutely. And, you know, look where we are now. So And Lloyd Kaufman is rolling, laughing around, just laughing at the oh demise man. of it. <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman is an angry man. So let's just and put it that it's, way. And it's funny because he is one of the most friendliest guys I've ever met. But yeah, if you bring up Blockbuster, he has some sore spots. Oh man, he's a lot to say. So our next episode is very exciting. Yes. Uh, we don't usually do franchises uh, because we do themes. And there's a franchise that is near and dear to Scotty and I's heart. And we had to be ethical and find a way to do this franchise 
so, you know, we uh, believe in premonitions of death and, you know, beliefs that things could possibly happen and you could for the CCU the future and not change it. So we are going to be doing all five Final Destination films. Yes. Next oh, time yay. on Friday Nightmares. I can't wait. These so are happy. some of my favorite horror films. Even, even which one is it? The fourth one? Yeah. Yeah. Even the fourth one. Like I still like the fourth one, but it's definitely the weaker of. The it's series. the weakest one of the of the series, but it's they're just man, so fun. They are so fun, and I cannot fucking wait to talk I, about them. And I can tell, I get to tell my story about part two, like uh, how that movie fucked me up and why it fucked me up. It's gonna be really good times here on Friday night. Yeah gonna be so much fun so please join us next time as always thank you for joining us and please go to legion podcast network and hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our show along with all the other awesome shows on the legion network and if you're not a patreon of the legion network yet what are you waiting for what are you waiting for that's us trying to get you to be a patreon <laughs> um please join us join us join us join us um yeah and it's only three dollars a month and you get you get content from scotty and i monthly as well yeah. as mr bo ransdell as well as other legion friends yes because yep even more shows are joining the patreon page to give up uh give us some new content <laughs> give it up you know give it up for you <laughs> We want you to give it up for the show. Um, so we'll see you next time when we talk about Final Destination. But until then, what do you have to say to the good people, Scotty? Well, first, I have something to say to you, Heather. Oh. Would you rather record with me for another <laughs> five hours or go out and get hammered? Get out and get hammered. That's the question. That's the answer I was hoping for. All right. So until next time, everyone, unpleasant dreams. Yeah, truth or dare. Dare!